0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hoopsville on this Thursday evening. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. A little false start on the video there, if you notice, but that's fine because uh, my vocal cords have false started for a while now. Bear with us as we will be dealing uh, with some not so fun uh, vocal cords for the rest of the evening. Hopefully, we make it through the rest of the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also join us on Twitter at D3 Hoopsville. Hashtag, I I said that. Oop. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Um, we're also simulcasting on YouTube, youtube.com slash, I think it's just Hoopsville. I've actually forgotten to keep looking that up. Let's do it now. All right, youtube.com slash hoopsville. Uh nope, that's not it. Somebody else has got that. Let's try D3 Hoopsville. Bingo, there it is. So youtube.com slash D3 Hoopsville. That's how you get a hold of me. And uh you can watch the show in any of those locations. We welcome you in. Thank you for taking the time. Hope you'll uh enjoy our program this evening. And so much more. Again, hope you don't mind the voice. Uh and I'm a little unshaven tonight because I just haven't had time. After I got off the air on Monday, started feeling a little unwell. A little bit of a headache, a little bit of chills. And a little bit of a sore throat. By the time I woke up on Tuesday, things were much worse. Uh, Swear, I had uh, strep, really. I thought I had strep. And uh, I gutted it out one Tuesday, hoping it would just kind of go away. Wednesday, it was not. And I had a busy weekend ahead. And the last thing I needed to do, or week, I should say, needed to do was showing up places sick. So out of abundance of caution, because I've had, I've had some interesting moments with strep in the past, I went to the doctor uh, to get it looked at, and they did a strep test, and they did a flu test, and just out of caution, they did a COVID test. Negative on strep, negative on flu, hello, COVID. Surprise, surprise. I had COVID in July, and none of these were the symptoms. So I have COVID, shockingly enough. Um, we're still trying to figure out where that all is. As a result, no work this week except for Hoopsville, and we're hopeful get through it. Um, Depends on the moment, but sometimes my voice is just not there. I'm actually pushing a little bit harder. I actually should probably boost the audio a little bit here. Pushing a little bit harder to try and be a little bit more vocal. Um, I'm going to literally play with the settings as I mention that now. I try and give myself a little bit more help in that category because uh, it it isn't fun. Uh, I'm hoping that's not too much. If I have to, I will adjust accordingly. But anyway... Uh, not 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 the most fun. It says it's got feedback, so we'll readjust the settings. Yet again, not sure why it's got feedback, but doing our best. Uh, hopefully, you can hear us just fine, and everything will work out just fine, as they say. So, um, I'm otherwise okay. Just uh, bummed, as it were. Uh, by the way, if you hear a little bit of whining behind us puppy tucker is in the studio tonight because i'm the only one in the house right now um not sure why he doesn't want to hang out with dad usually he does but apparently he doesn't right now so hopefully he won't whine too much he'll come over and sit where he normally sits with me uh he'll leave the studio a little bit later uh anyway um hopefully we'll get through the show with my voice okay and uh say la vie i did uh jam up on some meds before the show i've got a full thing of uh Ice, uh, not ice, uh, of lemon tea with some honey. I got a decaf coffee for some heat. Um, And we, like I said, some medicine, including if you've ever had lidocaine in a viscous solution. Oh, that is lovely stuff. And I'm saying that sarcastically. Gargling that is not ideal. Let's talk some news around Division 3, shall we? Um, We'll start with the fact that uh, it was announced earlier today by some reports out of Texas. That Saul Ross is pursuing Division Two. Um, we had heard about this uh, several months ago. I did some heavy lifting on it, and I got a lot of info on it, but nothing I could report. And the reason I couldn't report it was some source, some sources were great and I and it was solid, but I had no sources closer that would allow me to go with it. But basically, what I gathered, and uh, we meant to follow up to. Uh, this week we should have realized the NCAA convention that was something we should have followed up on. And honestly, I just lost track. But Saul Ross um, is getting an invitation to the Lone Star State, uh, Lone Star Conference, which is, I believe, where they've been before. Which geographically would put them kind of in the center of the conference. Apparently, what I'm told is the mentality by those somewhere at the college is that that reduction in the ASC travel and Division three travel will allow them to save money to be able to do Division II. Uh, there's some drawbacks to that. I don't think they're completely considering. I don't think they're considering the fact that there's more Division II games than there are in Division Three in all sports. Um, there are the scholarships, obviously, to consider. There's going to have to be some improvements to facilities. Um, the Board of Regents gave them the thumbs-up back in the fall. I want to say October-ish. That's when I started getting on the story when that happened. Um but we'll see. So the the process is they have to have an invite from a Division two conference, just as Division three has now passed for any future um, uh, schools to come into Division three. That would really kick in next year, um, or it should for the January twenty twenty four applications. Um, So they have to have an invite to a conference, and then they have to be uh, get the application done by February sometime. I always lose track of the date in February, and then they have to be accepted. And that usually takes place in about June or July after the whole process has gone through its steps. Uh, We we believe they've been invited uh, by the Lone Star. That's everything I've heard. And uh, so we assume the application is going in. I will be honest, there are people who have told me that they are fearful that this will mean the end of, Lo- of uh, Sol Ross, that they are not going to be able to financially do this. We'll see. Um, it also hurts the ASC tremendously. In football, there are, they're losing members left and right. They're about to fall down to four if this goes through in that conference. That means by they would have two seasons, um, 2023 and 2024. Am I right? Or is it 24 or 25? I've lost track of some other movements. They would lose the bid. Um, by the end of the 25 season, I believe, at the latest. And so there's some scrambling there. There's some scrambling in terms of membership. There's some scrambling elsewhere in the ASC. The ASC is in turmoil uh, internally, even though the numbers look okay. So we'll see how this plays out. We'll keep track of it. We'll try and get some of our experts who know this a little bit better on later. I know Riley Zayas has been following it. He certainly tweeted out something today. Maybe we'll get a quick reaction from him. But really uh, looking to get some of those who are, are more closely aligned with everything to see what they have to say. So Sol Ross apparently going to try to move to D2. That joins uh, Nichols, despite a tweet I had earlier today saying Newman, Nichols and Utica, two schools we've reported previously. Utica almost a year ago we reported it, and Nichols we reported it uh, several months back, will be um, are also headed towards... Uh, D two, We believe their applications are in place Though the Utica could be a year away I, I I have actually heard some say That Utica might not apply for another year I don't think that's the case I think they'll apply right away right, Or now And that will mean uh, They're headed to the Northeast 10 And those ice hockey programs Will move to Northeast 10 as well So we'll keep track of the Sol Ross news it, you know, On paper it may seem like Oh that's great But it's not it, It's not a good move For a lot of reasons uh, another thing I saw that came up on the Tweet Deck uh, today—I use Tweet Deck—is uh, that um, um, someone's been asking around about the tw- top sixteens. I happened to talk to the committee chairs recently, uh, and remember the last year the men released the top sixteen. Um, seeds about midway through February. It was right after the second regional rankings, just so everybody could have kind of understand as they start to look at who may be hosting and such, who those teams may be. Uh, those top 16 when they were released did not indicate all the other particulars like who could host, for example, uh, to Christopher Newport Schools. Hold on a second. I had to say something to Tucker. Um, so, anyway, um, we have, I have asked and apparently it sounds like um, uh, men are buttoning things up and hope to announce sometime in the next week, uh, when they plan to do those top 16s. If timing is right, it would be after that second regional ranking. Again, the, uh, men are doing rankings on Tuesdays this year. They're meeting and doing them on Tuesday. Women are meeting and, and having them on Wednesday. So I'm assuming the top 16 for the men would come out Wednesday or Thursday. I, I'm not positive. Uh, so anyway, uh, look for that to come out. And, um, But we'll learn more in the next week, apparently. Speaking of the committee chairs, because I have been talking to them recently, we will get them on the show uh, next week, a week from today. So hopefully by then we'll have some of the answers and we can ask more about it. If we don't, then we can certainly ask about it at that time. Uh, so that uh, we will have um, both Meg, Megan Wilson on the women's side and Sarah Quadraki on the men's side uh, joining us on the show next Thursday to talk about everything. We were hoping to have them on in December, but our uh, hiatus due, due to my father's health um, and my father's death um, uh, d- delayed us from doing that. So looking forward to having them on. Normally we'd have them on December, and then we'd have them on at the marathon. We're just going to have them on next week, and then we'll postpone when the next appearance is on. I- I'm not sure when. I think we got them on, actually, now that I think about it. At least the men we got on the show after they actually did that top 16 last year. And so... Um Maybe maybe that's something we'll do. We'll, we'll cross that bridge a little bit closer to when we get to it. Uh, nothing against some of you out there. You're all looking ahead at the end of February already. You're talking about selections and Pool Bs and Pool Cs and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. No disrespect. We've got just over six weeks left of the basketball season, and I just want to enjoy that right now. First regional rankings will come out uh, Feb, ooh, I just lost track, uh, eight, I believe, obviously we'll get closer. Marathons are our official kickoff to to regional rankings coming around the corner in the final month sprint to the season. So that will be for again in two weeks' time. We'll be on the air with that. So looking forward to that. But let's pump the brakes on everything else, you guys. Let's enjoy them now. Let's enjoy the games that are taking place now. Like that Keene State uh, Middlebury game was bonkers good. Uh, I've watched some of it, but not all of it due to some uh, headaches uh, on my end. I wanted to watch on the big screen, but thank you, Keen State, for having it on YouTube. Uh, watched it there. Uh, what was the other game? Just the other, Oh, uh, I've only caught a little bit of it, but I'm going to go back and watch more of the John Carroll Baldwin-Wallace game. Uh, not feeling well has kind of hurt that a little bit. Uh, so, anyway, looking forward to all that. So, again, quick recap. Saul Ross is apparently moving to D2, along with, uh, to the Lone Star Conference, along with Utica and Nichols. We have not heard, by the way, from Division three as to who has come, who's applied to come into the division. We'll find out more about that soon. Top 16s, we'll hopefully get some more information on when they're going to be released, uh, what the, what the, Plan is sometime in the next week, and with that in mind, we'll have the committee chairs on next Thursday. By chance, we'll talk to them a little bit more, and our marathon's in two weeks' time on the second. A quick note, next week's show that we were talking about, that's going to be a 1 p.m. show. I have to work later in the evening some basketball games, and now that I've lost a whole bunch of work this week, I definitely need to be working every game possible. So that's next Thursday. We'll be out at 1 p.m. Monday's show coming up, usual time, 7 o'clock Eastern time. All right, so with that, um, yeah, so let's talk about the guests on the show. You might notice over the corner, thanks to my son, he's put the sign together. We're going to have number eight Wheaton, Illinois, Mike Shower on the show. Speaking of committee chairs, he's last year's committee chair and the previous season. We'll talk to Mike here coming up in a bit. Sorry, you're seeing me mouth words to Tucker. Uh, number five, Smith Women's Basketball will join us. Obviously, Smith is a women's school, but just in case you are new to Division three, Smith Women's Basketball, Lynn Hersey. Hersey will join us to talk about her program. Number one, Trinity, Texas men's uh, women's basketball coach Cameron Hill will be on the show. And number 17, Guilford Men's Basketball, Tom Palumbo. On the program and the women's top 25 double take. We've got Riley Zayas, as I mentioned earlier, along with Scott Peterson. They will join us to go through their thoughts on the latest top 25 on the women's side. So there you go. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to start rolling with Mike Shower, including any questions you might uh, have for us. Um, Scott Peterson says, hopefully Megan can let us know when the 2022-23 pre-championship manual is being released. Actually, Scott, I have info on that because I asked her. Uh, Apparently uh, there's new software with all this And by the way, one of the questions I also asked is Can we make some of these handbooks universal? Because in every sport there's universal things that don't need to be written Six different ways or formatted in ten different ways Anyway, long story short They're apparently fixing some of the issues She's hoping it'll be out no later than January 31st But really they're looking to get it out Let's say in the next week or week and a half So no, that is coming out They're aware it's not out yet Uh, And they will get us uh, that soon. But thank you, Scott, for that reminder, because I knew I had forgotten to mention something there. Um, (laughs) Scott also mentions he got three dogs of himself I can send over and play. Yes, Tucker would love to play with the other puppies. The only problem is you all wouldn't hear me. It would be chaos in here. Tucker is one of those pups. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, So far, so good on the voice, so I know it sounds different. We'll see how long this one lasts. Uh, It helps when you put lidocaine down a little bit. I don't swallow, but it goes down a little bit, so it numbs it. Well, hopefully that holds off for two hours. You Listen to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this.
1: These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer. At every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities.
2: It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Rolling along here. Tucker is not being cooperative out. Uh, Usually he will lie down next to me, right at my feet, go to sleep. No big deal. He was on the couch earlier. I thought that's what he would do. Apparently he must think other people are in the house because the door is shut and he's ticked. So if you hear him whining in the background, I apologize. The little pup is just being difficult. Mommy will be home or, well, actually, my son should be home shortly. He can grab him after the interview with Mike Shower. Or maybe you'll just see the door open. Uh, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Join us on Twitter or Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're live uh, simulcasting the show. Welcome to comment there. We're also live simulcasting on YouTube, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. Got it all out. Um, speaking of the committee members, I thought it was kind of apropos. I debated. Do I bring Mike Shower on today's show? Or do I bring him on next Thursday's show before I probably talk to the new committee chairs? I decided to give Mike at least one bit of a break and, and just bring him on this week. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline, the aforementioned Mike Shower. Sir, good to have you. I hope you are well. Thanks for taking the time. You're at least smiling. I'm
8: doing great. And I appreciate the invite and uh, the opportunity to join you. And uh, looking forward to the opportunity to, to talk a little bit about D3 basketball and, and Wheaton basketball specific, specifically.
0: I should point out, I know you were very busy with the committee role over the years, including two years as chair, where one of them you had to deal with a tough choice of calling off the men's basketball tournament uh, on top of coaching. That's a lot of burden. I noticed you felt like uh, letting go of the committee sh- ship was, was good, but you still wanted the challenge, so you, you're now the uh, athletics director. We should point out on the website, it just says, athletics director, your email still says, acting is someone just delusional and i i'm leaving that up to interpretation
8: no it is acting athletic director which is a fancy way of saying interim so uh it's been it's been a challenge it's been fun there are times it's a lot dave but uh i i was an ad uh at the other two places briefly i was at before wheaton um but it's a lot this time of year but i enjoy it and and uh thankful for the opportunity to do it uh,
0: quickly on that topic, though, as you said, it's busy. Wheaton's a big uh, overall athletic department. Normally those in that role are not coaches, and this acting tag has been on for a while, sir. What do, do you know the future? Do you want to be AD and step away from coaching? I know that's putting you on the spot a little bit, but I am curious.
8: Yeah, no, it's a fair question. You know, I think the answer I always give Dave is, Um, I've been doing, this is my 30th year of coaching. Um, and I don't know that I'm going to do this till 65. Uh, but I also don't know that I'm ready to stop either. So the the broad answer is I don't think I'm going to coach to retirement, but I don't know that I'm ready to give up coaching yet. So I really haven't thought too much about it. Um, and the time will come obviously where there'll need to be that discussion, but, um, Wheaton's given us a little, a little runway here and not putting a lot of pressure on me to decide and, and, um, and you know to, to open the, the ad position here for a little bit longer. So, how about how's that for a political non-answer? It's a
0: brilliant non-answer. Uh, I also noticed you put a little caveat in there that you, the school's letting you decide.
8: Meaning, I think they would like you to be ad. No, I, what I mean by letting me decide is I think if I said, "Hey, I'm I need to we need to go back, we need to figure it out. It's time to." time to you know post it and and split the positions back i think they would let me have a little bit of say in that they certainly you know they'll they'll do a search um uh for the AD position and if i'm interested in pursuing it they would let me do that uh but i certainly think i could say i'm not interested in the AD and go back to coaching uh but there you know the the time my son is on our team dave and i'm i'm not going to do anything too quickly uh with him still on our team and so when i say they've given me a choice they've kind of let me Uh, you know, have some freedom about the length of time.
0: That that makes total sense. And I know your son being on the team, we're going to get to that. uh, So I I can appreciate that for sure. But anyway, we'll move on to the more important things. Uh, Your team's having a bonkers year. I did notice a a handful of grad students. So you had the advantage of guys who came back from the last couple of years that really had made this thunder program click since your magical run to the championship weekend uh, early in your committee ship. Um, But give me a sense, because I'll I'll be honest, as much—granted, I'm the outsider because I'm on the East Coast, and as much as Bob Quillman usually gives us a lot of great intel on the CCIW, I think this might be one of the more confusing seasons in the conference, and it's not a knock. It's more about (laughs) who—it's more about I can't get a sense of what every team is— So tell me about yours. Tell me about the Thunder. What's working? What are you guys improving on, et cetera?
8: Yeah, so, you know, we have, uh, obviously, we had a pretty good season last year, graduated a lot of guys that played a lot. We have three transfers, uh, including two grad transfers. Um, So we're older, even though some of those guys are inexperienced with us, they're older young men. And so I think there's a maturity to us um, when you have 22, 23-year-old guys that, that kind of calms you a little bit. So, but it's really been in a lot of ways, Dave, our, uh, some of our returning guys, uh, Eli Considine, Nick Ciavello, Andrew Williams, Eddie Scott, guys that were on our roster last year that really were role players on last year's team that have really, um, you know, kind of stepped up and improved their game and really made us deep and versatile. And then obviously Tyson Krukshnik, who is one of the better guards in the country. We, he's having the type of year you would anticipate he would have. He's been great. Um, and so we're, we're long, we're versatile, we're older. Um, we have really good chemistry and culture and all that type of stuff. Um, and it's a fun team to coach, to be honest with you, because they care about each other and they care about winning. So it's it's actually a pretty easy team to coach. But that's our team. We're long, we're versatile, um, we'll, we'll defend you. We can play a lot of different ways. We've got a lot of different ways to get offense. Um, but it's both some, some new faces. So those three transfers, all of whom have contributed, and then just really the improvement and growth of of older guys that have been in the program, really, really, you know, program guys that have grown into a role.
0: I think you've nailed really where my challenge always is. There's a lot of people who talk about recruiting, and there's a lot of people who talk about transfers. And I've seen way too many teams stumble and fall and never come together with those. Oh, listen, we got a D one transfer. Wonderful. We'll never hear from that individual ever again because it didn't work or they're not as talented as so everyone thinks they are because they got the D one tag on them. And I know going into the season, I kind of looked at you guys and went, oh, you lost a lot. Oh, you got some good pieces back. I don't know how to gauge it. And I guess it's that what if. What if those upperclassmen step up? What if those things all gel together that I truly can't put together? So with that in mind, obviously continuing to grow, what is it you guys are still working on that you hope will get better that will make this team a dangerous threat late February into March if you can get there?
8: Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, I think we've got to be, uh, you know, um, a little more consistent rebounding the basketball um, at times. We've been very good. Our, our game Saturday against Illinois Wesleyan, you know, really a key to them is our ability to to defensively rebound the basketball and limit uh, offensive possessions for them. Um, that's probably the a, a big one. And then just continuing to get better defensively, Dave, you know, we've got some some guys that are, are older, like TJ Askew, but he's new to our defensive philosophy. So he really can get quite a bit better as we practice stuff because it's still new to him relative to what he did uh, previously. So, you know, I think we can continue to refine a little bit how good we are defensively and we certainly can get better at, uh, at rebounding the basketball.
0: I hear that rebounding comment a lot from coaches. I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, early losses this season, the only two you really have suffered the loss to John Carroll in the fourth game, similar team, got a lot of transfers trying to figure themselves out, certainly proving themselves and a loss to Elmers. Both games interestingly at home, the Elmers game and overtime, though those were all on the front side of the season you've played really well since then uh, including the win over Car- Carroll the win over Carthage this week as well and you got IWU coming up what, what is it about those two losses we should know about, and how is it fueling the team now?
8: Yeah, the, the first thing is, you know, John Carroll's – both those teams are very talented and physically gifted. The John Carroll game, we went one for 21 from the three-point line. And so what I, was, what I got out of that is I still have a pretty competitive basketball team that, you know, still gave us a chance to win despite shooting the ball so poorly. We've actually shot the ball pretty well otherwise on the season. And then candidly, Dave, the second game we lost because I'm not a very good coach. So, you know, we were up three – uh, with whatever it was, five point some seconds left. And typically we foul in that situation. And I simply overcoached and Elmer's went down, hit a tough shot, banked one in, um, and then ended up winning, a, winning an overtime. And so, you know, that's one, if, if coaches, uh, are going to hold their players accountable, which we all do, I think as coaches, we have to be accountable. I just, I overcoached. And it doesn't mean if we had fouled that we necessarily would have won. It's easy to say, hey, if I did something different, we would have won. I've seen teams lose while fouling, but, um, you know, we practice and talk about fouling in that situation, and we didn't do it, and that is a hundred percent on me.
0: All right, folks, we're going to readjust the schedule. Uh, Wheaton is fifteen and one this season. They are seven and zero in conference play. Mike Shower, zero and one on the season, zero and one in CCIW action. There. <laughs> I appreciate the insight. That's tremendous stuff, and it's very helpful. So moving forward, you got Illinois Wesleyan coming up. Uh, you're Then on the road for a tough stretch, three games in a row. You're going to be at North Park, who's playing well this season. You're going to be at Carthage, who's playing tremendously well this season. And I think you're playing at the unknown. Not only is it Rock Island, but it's an unknown Augustana team that I think is still figuring themselves out. This next four games has a lot on the line, and only one of them is at home.
8: Yeah, but I, to be honest with you, I feel like a- – I could say that almost over any four-game stretch uh, of our of our conference run, and totally fair. You know, this is going to be a little bit coach speak, which I try to avoid. But I'm really just focusing no, on on Saturday, right? We I'm aware of the stretch that's coming up, but I think to talk about what we're going to do with North Park or Carthage on the road gets a little bit ahead of ourselves. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan will provide enough of a challenge um, for us at home without having to to worry about. Uh, playing on the road. I, you know I will tell you you talk about our league. I, I think because Carthage and North Park are a little bit unexpected good people didn't necessarily anticipate it. Um, I'm not sure they're getting the national attention that perhaps they deserve. They're really good teams and uh, and if you know um, the win North Park just had over Illinois Wesleyan is significant both for our league, their program and um, both Sean Smith and, and Steve Jarkovic are doing a, doing a great job. Those teams are very good.
0: I'm I'm voting for Carthage at the very least. North Park has been the unknown, but that helps me pivot a little bit. Yes, I know you're not thinking about those games, and I realize I'm not going to find out what you're going to do in those, but the CTIW's been tough for me. I know when I was on Quillman's show back in October, um, you know, well, there was a question about it. I said the top was so significantly ahead of the bottom last year, and the top lost so much that coming back to the bottom, and I'm just using those in general terms, Leaves a lot of questions that we just don't know, and now we're halfway through the season, and some of those bottom teams are the top teams. It's hard to gauge. I know the CCIW is always tough. I know the CCIW is one of the top five in the conferences in the country. It always produces national powers to talk about. What is challenging for me, and maybe you can provide an insight, which will help us understand these games coming up, is what is it about this season that's so what seems to be different? than we've seen in years past.
8: Yeah, I mean, Dave, if I'm really honest, I think it's just simply the names are different. I think if if North Park had Illinois Wesleyan on their chest and the same records, people would view them a little differently. I think it's been unexpected. Um, they're really good. And so uh, I think the league is still really strong, and, and it's a little bit of teams that people didn't anticipate. Coaches didn't vote for it. The national media didn't vote for it. That's the part. And- that's the part. And so, uh, you look at North park's record and season, and you're kind of waiting if you haven't seen them and watched them to go, is this for real? And I'm just going to tell you, it is, they're really good. And, uh, um, you know, I think our, our league continues to be really deep. I don't know that we have, I think the three teams from last year, the sweet six, the three sweet 16 teams. And then obviously Wesleyan got to the lead eight almost to the national championship game. Those teams you could recognize going in, Hey, those are, those are elite teams. We kind of knew it going into, to last year. The part is there's so much uncertainty this year. We didn't quite know who to identify, including us. Um, And so I think it's just taking a little bit of, of time to go, is this really the, the, you know, how good these teams are? So that's my opinion. You know, I I, watching Carthage and and North park play. um, They're really, they're just really good teams. They would be competitive with everybody in the country.
0: Yeah, I certainly don't disagree with you. I, I don't know about the if they had the other school's um, j- name on their jersey because the one exception. Let's look at North Park quick, and I'm not trying to dive in with you about another team, but my point of the confusion is North Park was 10 and 14 last year. They were three and uh, three and 11 in the in the COVID year, four and 21 back to back seasons prior to that five and 20. It's more about oh my lord, hmm. are – are they really that good, or are we seeing something smoke and mirrors and it, it's all going to
8: fall apart? No. I mean, they have nine transfers. They're really good. That doesn't mean they'll, you know, they, they, our league's good enough that they could and probably will lose some games, just like, you know, it's, that's the way competitive leagues are. But, um, you know, there's nothing, there's no smoke and mirrors about them at all.
0: No, I get that, and I think we're all understanding, but I think that's what's made the CCIW so interesting, confusing, whatever you want to call it this year, on top of the fact that we're seeing it nationwide too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the WIAC is not what we're used to. We're a couple of elite teams at the top, and everybody else beats each other up and beats them, and, and you've got everybody kind of coming coalescing towards the middle. And again, that's not a negative. It just means that there, it's more the top has come down, the bottom has come up. And it's gotten so much better. From your committee hat, your former committee hat, your former rankings hat, what does this mean for the conference? Does it mean that this is a conference that can seed three or four teams and do well in the tournament? Is this a conference this year that it's going to take the right matchups for someone to break through?
8: Yeah, that's a great question. And I, the, the truthful answer, Dave, a year ago, I probably would have been one of the most informed Division Three coaches in the country about everybody. I was following it closely. I was watching everybody play. I was trying to watch teams from all over the country. I really haven't done that this year. So um, Very disappointed. How, yeah, how good I've just – I've had a few other things going on as we've talked about. Uh, so how good we are or North park is, or that to, to other teams around the country, I, I don't know that I can give a strong answer to that. I can tell you relative to previous seasons, um, you know, we'll have a few teams that won't be an easy out. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't know that we, you know, we don't have the the same experienced teams we had a year ago. And so it's a little bit unknown, but um, I certainly think we can play with anybody I've seen, uh, and I think that would be true for uh, for several other teams in our league as well.
0: I'll pivot back to your team to wrap up with that in a moment. I did want to ask one more question. as From a committee's perspective, from what you, the work you guys did and where would things stand now, what still needs to be approved upon in terms of making the championships, the tournament, the division, the sport, whatever, even better? What did you hope to accomplish that didn't get accomplished?
8: Yeah, those are great questions. You know, I think one of the things I really like that we have done is I, I think we've increased the opportunity for participation. We've increased, you know, things such as the bench size and and things like that, because we're really, really the championship at some level is about student athlete experience. We obviously use that all the time. And and so it was always hard as a coach to to eliminate guys from that experience because of a, a, an NCAA limitation on on roster sizes and that type of stuff. So I'm really pleased that Sarah and others and, and Alex and the NCAA found a way to say, Hey, how do we get more people involved, more student athletes involved? So I'm really, that part, I would say I'm really, really pleased with, Um, you know, I I mean, I think, I think without diving too deep, you know, that I think there's criteria stuff that, that I would like to see either expanded or refined. Um, I'm not sure we always are, you know, we are, the, the criteria is what we need to follow. I'd say that all the time. I'm We have to do what the criteria states. But, you know, I think there uh, there are oper- – I think we need a national metric is what I've always said. There needs to be some way to compare teams nationally. It's hard to do that. The system is, is really designed to do regional rankings. It's really designed well to compare us to WashU or us to Carthage. It's not as designed as well to compare Wheaton to Williams. Because you're going to use criteria that is regionalized to do it. So um, I don't know that I regret that we didn't get it done, but that would be a critique of the criteria that I would provide as somebody who's been a chair and, and would say, I think, you know, I think there are ways that we can maybe enhance and improve the criteria.
0: I totally agree with you, and and I also know that every time one thing gets refined, something else comes up to be refined again. It's a never-ending refinement. Not that that's a knock. It's just I know what people are constantly working. All right, I want to pivot back to your team before I let you go. Again, that grind coming up, obviously it's the CCIW in general, but that's a tough stretch where three of the games are on the road, uh, a lot of unknowns, but also kind of the top and the conference trying to stay ahead. Obviously you want to get homes home games in the in the conference term if you can. What are you telling the team? what's the conversation in the, in the locker room, in the video room, on the practice uh, facility, whatever it is, what's the conversation about what you all need to do, whether it's day, day by day, game by game, or whatever the stretch ahead.
8: Yeah, this is going to sound coach speak as well, but it's really just trying to do, uh, you know, worry about today. Tomorrow's got enough problems of its own um, that, that it's really trying to be good today. You know, Um, You don't ever arrive. You're always in pursuit. And so every day we show up, you've got to try to meet our standard, get to our ability. And so really, as we look at, we don't talk a ton about opponents. We will do a scout. We're really we're really a a program, a team that tries to fight to get to our level of play. And if we can do that um, and get beat, if if we do that and we lose that team that night was simply better. But most nights, if we get to our best level of play, we're going to have a pretty good chance to win. That's the message. Um, Who we play, the opponent, that that changes. Obviously, you're in the league, so you're going to play everybody home and away. you got to play them at some point. So when they come up, where they are, what the stretch is, we don't spend a lot of time worrying about that. Um, We just take the next one that's up and go, you know, go play to the best of our ability.
0: Yeah. uh, Well said. I know it's coach speak. I I know what to expect on this show. We're thinking about changing the segment to the NABC coaches speak, but we'll cross that bridge another time. Um, Hey, sir. Appreciate the time. Thanks as always. Love chatting with you. Um, Well, I know we'll chat down the road at some point about other things, but uh, in the meantime, congrats to the team. Congrats on the season. Good luck the rest of the way. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in?
8: Yeah, I got two, Dave. One, as always, thank you for your work. I uh I predate this show. I predate in some ways d3hoops.com at the division 3 level and this is a significant part and it has d3hoops.com hoopsville has really uh generated interest and in other people that are starting to do uh similar things and so the the value to division 3 athletics is significant. So thank you and and you are a significant part of of what we do. And then Thanks. the last thing I would like to say is when you do your Uh, For any of the guys, for Bob Quillman and anybody else that you have on your show to do the mock selections, when you get to the 20th pick, people, listen to Dave. I love
0: you. You, sir. uh, They would have gotten it. They just didn't listen to you. I I might have to go get that audio and bring it back in multiple ways. That is, you are, sir, you're now invited on whenever you want. In fact, if you'd like to come on and do the mock selections, you're welcome to do that, too. (laughs) great i would do it we'll talk hey thanks again mike you're awesome i'm waiting for twitter to blow up now uh you I'm take good. care and i'll talk to you soon that is mike I'm shower good. joining us on the blue frame technology hoops hotline that was outstanding and totally unexpected but i mean he's right let's be honest all going right, gotta take a break when we come back we'll switch gears talk women's basketball I'll head out to the northeast where they're getting a bit of a snowstorm We'll talk to Lynn Hersey, the head coach of Smith Women's Basketball. you listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. So much more ahead.
2: Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something
3: much more valuable. Dot
0: com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, if you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville, at D3Sports.com. All scrolling at the bottom of your screen, including Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the show. Don't see any questions there, but you're welcome to pop one in there. We'll pay attention to that. Also live simulcasting on YouTube, YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville. We'll... uh Pay attention to that. Quick note, I forgot in our news items, we mentioned that NYU over the week Monday show had a water pipe burst. We talked to Meg Barber, their head coach, about that. Um, and it sounds like, though it's not official, they are out for the rest of the season. Um, they are not going to get into their brand new gymnasium the rest of the season due to that water pipe. Roanoke had the same thing happen to them at their semi-new gymnasium. So all of their sports have been moved out for the rest of the year. It is something that happens, and unfortunately it's happened a few times in Division Three of late. Speaking of women's basketball, Smith basketball is having a tremendous season, building off what was a tremendous season last year as well. Uh, They certainly didn't do anything... um unexpected i guess you could say this year but they're up to fifth in the national rankings and i always love talking to lynn hersey so joining us on the blue frame technology hoops so a hotline is the aforementioned smith women's basketball coach again coach up the fifth in the rankings you, you've got to be bonkers excited about the fact that this team is not only uh being respected that way but you are building on what was a tremendous NCA run last season yeah
5: Dave, Well, first thanks for having me um appreciate being on and uh obviously, you know, super proud of this group. We had uh six players deferred during COVID and we had two more take a graduate year so that we would have the opportunity to try to come back from uh that Wisconsin Whitewater game, which uh still is sticking with all of us. Um and you know, and have another shot to uh to see what we can do this year. And, you know, so far we're 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 trying to improve every day and and you know, stay as competitive as we can and um stay true to who we are and um, so far, we've we've been alright. It's
0: interesting because the New Mac schedule is also kind of just wonky. You know, you're you're what two and zero in New Mac play right now, when most teams have played about half their conference. And, and we were saying it in Vegas when Wellesley was there, and soon to be New Mac member Salve Regina, only to add more to the chaos that that conference schedule has taken on a bunch of different uh, evolutions over the years. How challenging, and I I mean that, I'm going to build towards back to the season, but how challenging is that unknown of which conference schedule you're going to deal with when you're trying to build a schedule that's going to improve a team, and in your case, position it as best as possible for the NCAAs?
5: Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, I mean, my personal feeling on it is we've moved to the single round robin. It's very similar to the NESCAC. Uh, we're, we're, you know, right in the same, you know, obviously region one, region two, but same, you know, geographic location to play a lot of those NESCAC schools. And, you know, going to a single round robin allows a lot of our, um, new Mac teams to be able to, to compare ourselves to them and to compete with them. Um, and I think that's really important. You know, I think being able to, to go up against the Tufts and the Bowdens and the Amherst, you know, some of the traditional powerhouses from, from this region and, um, you know, be able to play them and um, as a conference do well against them is, is an important thing for the new Mac. Um, So I think the single round round Robin has really helped us in that way. Um, And it allows each coach to craft their schedule, you know, sort of based on where their team is. Um, And I think that that's, you know, that, that kind of can suit a lot of different programs, you know, in the building phase or, you know, whatever window you're in and, um, so i'm a big I'm a big proponent of it. Um, and I'm hoping that's what we're we're staying with for for the time to come.
0: Would you still I know you guys have a relationship obviously with the with the group around you, the Babsons the Wellesleys, et cetera. Would you still per NESCAC, kind of have a little three, and I'm using general terms here, but you have a little battle amongst them on top of that?
5: Yeah, I, I think some of us are are working on that. We um we play Springfield that right down the road. Uh, so we play Springfield, uh, twice. Um, one doesn't count for the conference. Um, but since they're, you know, so close, it's always a competitive game. Their program has been doing, you know, exceptionally well. Um, you know, it's, it's a great, it's a great, um, home away. You know, that's a, that's a smart, smart move for us, um, to add them and for them to add us. So, you know, we have that. Um, I think some of the schools of New are, are trying to do that. Babson does it as well with, with Springfield. Um, so, yeah, you know, I I think that's a, another option there when you're you're looking to fill games.
0: Right, and then Salve Regina comes in. So if you're in that single round, you get one more game. That'll yeah. certainly help. So pivoting to this season, you knew you were going to have a good season probably with those deferments, what you guys did and all that. And I know most of the schedule was done before you're tackling what you did in March with the Whitewater game and all. But what was the mentality schedule-wise going in? Because so far it's obviously worked. I know you're you're kind of on a double-edged sword there. You want to prepare your team, but you also don't want to take it too easy.
5: Yeah, I mean, I I think um, last year SOS I think ended up being like pretty high, like third or you know top three in the country. The goal was to try to do that again. Um, you know, I think we have the teams around us to be able to build a schedule that that does really challenge you. Um, and you know, I I think it's it's about being able to um, you know, fuel the competitors you have in your program. And that's a big part of what we do here when we recruit. You know, it's it's part of the DNA, um, you know, the, the competitive nature, the competitive mindset. Um, and so a competitive schedule goes along with that. I mean, it, it's it's part of, you know, who we are, what we want to be about. And, you know, it prepares us for a game like Wisconsin-Whitewater on the road, you know, in front of their 4,000 fans, Um you know, go into overtime and, you know, all those, all those moments, you know? And so I, I I just, um, you know, big believer in that these gives us a chance to host in the NCAA tournament. I think, you know, ultimately those teams that go to the final four, you know, most of them have four home games before they go there. And, you know, the reality is you're just, you're not really in that conversation unless you have the SOS, you know, to, to go head to head with some of those other really great teams. Um, so I think we're really aware of it. We craft the schedule very carefully, um, and and we're fortunate enough to to have a you know uh, the teams around us that really help us, and hopefully we help them, um, so that our region our region stays really strong.
0: Obviously, this conference is really good too. You've got Babson at fourteen and one this season. Springfield's having another great season at eleven and five. WPI, yeah. Wheaton, they both have eleven wins this season. This is a this is a really tough conference right now, and even if it is single round robin. It doesn't matter. You got to get your way through it.
5: Yeah, it's a it's you know it's it's a great conference. We have great coaches, great playing styles. Every every team has a unique, different style. Um, you know, great players in the conference. Um, and I think last year's push was Springfield. You know, and Babson, all three of us getting in. You know, our conference getting two at larges, and then and then we we proved that you know we deserved that. You know, by by the the run that each team made. Um, yeah, I'm really proud of that. You know, I, obviously every time we play Springfield or Babson, it's, you know, you got to bring your best, the coaches push you to, to coach up and the players are, you know, the, the the games are intense and they're fun and, you know, it's what you need to be a successful conference and it's what you need to be able to compete nationally. Um, So, you know, I, I, I definitely, uh, I think the new Mac is, you know, certainly strong and, you know, again, I think, you know, we're able to prove it a little bit more because of the ability to play, you know, obviously within conference, but some of the teams outside of the conference as well.
0: I'll talk about this team, nine game winning streak right now, as we mentioned, 15 and one overall, uh, fifth in our, you know, in the latest polls. Um, 15 game win streak in the conference. We should point out you're first in the conference in scoring at 72 points a game, first in free throw uh, percentage at 74. And by the way, that's that's not a slouch. Those numbers are coming down across the country, and it's you know you're pretty well up there. You're second in field goal percentage, third in three point percentage. There's a lot of rights there. What any other things you're doing right? Is there anything else you guys are still working on?
5: Yeah, I mean, I don't even really think we're playing our best basketball. I mean, I, I think we have a lot of room to get better. Um, I think our defense is starting. Like, we started, a, obviously, a very strong offensive team. We always have been. You know, we have a lot of scorers. We have a lot of depth. We have an inside-out game. Um, you know, a lot of players who can step up on different days and and really produce. So, you know, I think offensively, I was new. we had a lot of good pieces there. Um, and, you know, I think ultimately, like our defense is starting to come together better now. We're starting to be more cohesive, um, you know, smarter defenders, less fouling, um, you know, and and certainly, um, you know, continuing to work on our defensive schemes for each team and, and executing that at the, at a high clip. So, you know, I think we have a lot of room to, to get better. Um, and that's hopefully what the day to day is for. And I mean, our goals are very clear. We know what we're trying to do and, um, you know, we got to take care of each other and take care of our chemistry and culture and, you know, grow as individuals. There's a lot that goes into it. It's not, you know, it's not as simple as X's and O's. And um, so, you know, we're just trying to excel in every area. And hopefully we're, we're peaking at a, the right time. Um, yeah, I get that's, that. And- that's our goal.
0: Obviously the peaking's the important part because we've seen teams that are really good peak early and then March just kind of deflates on them. You guys certainly were heading in the right direction last year.
5: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of experience that we gained from that uh, run and, and um, understanding how to play deep into March and, you know, how do you take care of your body? How are you handling your academics while you're, you know, being an athlete and, uh, you know, the grind of all of that. So Um, You know, I think that will only our veteran players will only be able to really kind of use that experience to continue to help us um, on the day to day come in and and be fresh and be ready to compete and prepare the way that we do. And, um, you know, again, I think experience does go a long way. Um, And so I'm happy that we've we've the one thing about that Wisconsin Whitewater game is, you know, I think this season could prove that, you know, we sort of failed smart. You know, and and that's that's a you know something where you, you can take a loss and you, you you lose and you fail in that moment. And you know, it's really what you do after it. And you know, I, I think our team is really bought into like, you know, that can be a smart loss for us if we handle our business the right way moving forward um in terms of what we learned. So um it's a mature group, and uh, super excited to coach them. and I go to battle with anybody any day with that team. They're just uh, you know, they know how to get it done. So um, try not to get in their way and, you know, see what we can do.
0: Well, and to some degree, to be honest, uh, sometimes it's not so much a loss as the other team just won.
5: Yeah. Well, they played very well, you know, no, 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 uh, certainly no uh, disrespect to them. They, they, they gave us everything we could handle. Um, but, you know, we put ourselves in a, in a position to win that game. And um so, you know, got to, we we learned from what we, what we uh, fell short on, but again, that's what it takes. Like, I don't know if you get further until you go through, you know, that experience and you know, hopefully, um, you know, a lot of it will come back to us and, and serve us well this year.
0: I want to quickly talk about a couple of your players. Obviously, there's a lot of players to talk about. You have three in double figures and nothing against Jesse Ruffner, but I want to focus on um, Morgan Morrison, leads the conference in in rebounding, second in scoring, second in field goal percentage. She's averaging 16.8 points a game and a share shy of a double-double at 9.4 rebounds a game. She's had 14 games in double digits. Uh, The superlatives are pretty outstanding, and we'll get to Caitlin, but. Pikanka as well, but I want to start with Morgan. She has been the rock.
5: Yeah, she's just been really steady for us. Um, you know, she really requires more than one player to play her. She's very versatile, has great footwork, um, you know, it's just strong, physical, consistent, um, and has produced for us a lot. And um, you know, certainly. That is, that's you know we we're, we're working on still playing out of all the systems and the schemes that coaches are coming up with to sort of slow her down and you know I think that's where the depth and you know our our guard play can continue to grow and um you know it will certainly make us a really tough team to defend if we're if we're really executing on you know both the interior and um out in the perimeter at this at the same rate um but Morgan's you know she's been outstanding um, and has really had a lot to adjust to um, game to game. So I I just uh, really applaud her focus and effort and and uh, sort of willingness to just uh, go out each game and really attack it.
0: Well, and what's interesting is you have Morgan never takes a three point shot, and neither does Caitlin. And and you then have this dynamic that I think teams would kill for. To have this double edged sword, twin towers, whatever you want to call it, down inside because you cannot double team because the other one will get you.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's also about their ability to cut off each other and and read each other and be really good at, you know, our, our ability to pass to each other and high low and um and also our guards, I give them a lot of credit. We focus a lot on, you know, getting the ball inside and how to do that and um, you know, I, I think that they are, are really, uh, in tune to sort of the talent they have on the interior. And, um, you know, they benefit either you know, shooting group. And, you know, the more that we get the ball inside, the more open their, their threes become. And, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, the balance that we want to have.
0: Yeah, it's interesting cuz again, Caitlin Pekunka was a preseason honorable yeah. mention in our, D, in our in our in our All-America list. She scored 1000 points. She's fifth in the conference in rebounding, fourth in field goal percentage. And again, you get that double-edged sword with those two that everybody else ends up being pretty darn good because they end up being open with everybody focused on them.
5: Yeah. Yeah, Caitlin's having a great year too. I mean, obviously um you know, I think her defense this year has been uh, just a really cornerstone in the in for us inside. Um And in addition, she's just an absolute competitor. I mean, <laughs> there isn't another player I've ever coached. who loves a bigger stage um and a bigger moment. And, you know, the, that's, that's what fuels her. And, you know, I think it just rubs off on the rest of the team. I think Jesse Ruffner is also very much like that. And, you know, when you have those three sort of, you know, taking a lot of shots, getting a lot of the, the looks and, all three are ready to take that game winner if you need them to I mean it gives gives the coaching staff a lot of options so um we're grateful for all of that you know their hard work um they're in the gym all the time and you know they're focused on the possibilities ahead so one day at a time but it's a great group
0: you got Clark ahead of you uh nine and eight on the season 0 and two in conference play so far uh, what's what's the message to the team about opponents like the Clarks when you've been already facing uh, teams that are certainly at the top of division three?
5: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great point. I, I, I think that, you know, when you become ranked in the top 10 and now, you know, now in the top five, like, you know, it, it's a different, everybody gets very excited to play, you know, and you're going to get everybody's
0: big target.
5: Yeah. Big target. Um, You know, a lot of focus, Um, you know, and it, it's a different, it's different. uh you know being the hunted versus being the hunter right and so you know i think that um, we've talked a lot about it as a team we're, we're willing to embrace it we're going to own you know um, our success and we're going to defend it and you know ultimately it's the mindset that we go into each game with um, you know I, I think it's a cultural mindset that hopefully will you know continue to carry through um, regardless of who we're playing i mean i think the one thing about having competitors is they really don't care who's on the other side of the ball. You know, like they just want to play. They want to compete. Um, they thrive for that, that moment. Um, that's, that's what they're, they're excited for. So, you know, clearly I expect our team to just be excited to be out with the privilege of being able to play again. And, um, we'll be, you know, we'll be ready, uh, each game.
0: Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us and chat about the squad. The Pioneers are certainly having a tremendous season, but they've had a bunch of really good seasons over the last few years, and it's great to see the continued success. And I I mean this seriously, especially at an all-women's college. I know that's not always the easiest thing to recruit into and get people excited about, so I'm really uh, ecstatic to see that it's working for you.
5: Well, I, I appreciate that, um, and uh, yeah, I you know obviously we we all applaud what you do for Division three basketball, you know women's basketball, um, and you know I, I, I think that um, you know all of us really uh, enjoy this show and and everything you do. You're sick, and here you are, right? So you're you're just you're just as crazy as all all of us coaches, right? Um, so you know, Dave, we appreciate you, and you know, thanks for having me on.
0: Well, Coach, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Don't know if you want to finish up with any final words, but if not, uh, you take care. Good luck the rest of the way, and we'll look forward to connecting with you further down the road.
5: Sounds good. Thank you.
0: Lynn Hersey joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology HoopSaw so Hotline. really appreciate her taking the time to do so. I can't get my picture to pop up. There it is. Uh, thanks for her time. Uh, by the way, toughest SOS as of right this moment in Division three, if our numbers are accurate. Also, someday I want to get her, uh, Wellesley's head coach, and some others on to talk about those challenges of being all women's schools and getting students excited about not only that opportunity, but playing the sport at a school like a Smith. I think that'd be a fascinating conversation to hear and to hear how they they go about that. And and for Smith's case, keeping that success up. We'll take a break. When we come back, Cameron Hill will join us from the number one ranked Uh, women's basketball team at Trinity. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More after this.
5: Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present. Honor the past. Look to the future.
8: It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now.
7: It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division 3. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. So far, the voice is holding out, and we're going to hope that way for the next hour. Still ahead, we have two more coaches to talk to. We'll about to talk to Cam Hill, head coach of the Trinity women's basketball team out of Texas, and we'll number one ranked team in all the land, at least in our poll. We know which one's better. We'll also, sorry, that's not a knock to my friends at the WBCA. Uh, we'll also talk to uh, Tom Palumbo, head coach at Guilford, having a tremendous season there. And then we'll talk to our, D th- our, our women's top 25 uh, panelists on their thoughts on the poll. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Hoops, D3 That's Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. And we're simulcasting the show, Facebook.com and YouTube. Just look us up. Uh, listening and watching from Albany, Georgia. Thank you, Blazer Bobcat. Appreciate it very much. Uh, hope you're all enjoying the show as well. We'll take a turn now. Talk Trinity, as I mentioned. They're having a tremendous season after having what I think was a bonkers great NCAA tournament that I actually was surprised they didn't get all the way to the NCAA uh, to the Final Four only because of how they dispatched Christopher Newport. But that's how the tournaments act, right? That's how those things work out. We'll talk to maybe him a little uh, about that a little bit here with Cam, if he allows. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the aforementioned head coach. Uh, he is not with the coaching staff for the Saint uh, San Francisco Giants. Do not get that confused, but Cam Hill does join us here on Hoopsville. Coach, congratulations first and foremost on the number one ranking. I know while you're there, it's never happened, and I think it's a very short window when Trinity has had that happen after a national title.
9: Yeah, I appreciate it, Dave. It's been a... Uh it's it's definitely been a labor of love and it's been a lot of fun and this team is definitely special and they're doing some pretty cool things right now
0: I'll admit the one thing that always throws me off with you is when I see you off the court uh, whether it's now, you're in a t-shirt and a baseball cap and got we yep. can see the necklace and the bling when you're on the court <laughs> you are a, 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 a diaper dandy let's call you, a dandy of a man, you're dressed up you're looking great, it's awesome it. <laughs> is it just that you dress up so much like me? Forget it all when you're off the court.
9: You know we bene- we benefit from being in athletics. You know this is nice clothes. These are nice clothes for coaching practice and working playing all day long. So, but it's nice to uh, it's nice to show the team some respect with a tie and a start shirt when it's game time for sure.
0: Now, not to, to to jump off on a tangent, but I, you kind of bring something up that I just hadn't thought of. COVID kind of brought along excuse me, a decrease in the amount of um, dressing up that I've seen in coaches, primarily on the men's side because that's where you see the shirt and tie. I think on the women's side, uh, it's not fair, but I, I don't notice it as much and I, I could just be missing it. W- where do you think that's come from? Is it everybody's just realized it's a more casual affair in general? Because you're your comment about respecting the team and dressing up, I find I've never heard that that way of putting it.
9: That's kind of just how I feel about it. This is this is an ongoing debate in my family because my younger brothers with the Pelicans and I like to make jokes that they look like backup dancers for the Temptations every time they coach a game. But, you know, for me it's uh it's just an opportunity to take this situation seriously. A lot of days we try to keep it light and not not overstress people or or actually our players and things, but you know, game day's been special in my family my whole life. So, you know, ironing your shirt and putting yourself together to go out there and do your job is a special thing for me. So I do, I do appreciate those opportunities for sure.
0: Yeah, no, great. Appreciate that that insight. Hey, f- you're number one, plain yeah. and simple. You you got the number one ranking thanks to NYU uh, stumbling last weekend and dropping two. You're ahead of Transylvania. Yes, you're not number one on the WBCA side, but you're number one, I think, and the one that I think most people notice. What's that mean to you? What does that mean to the program? What does that mean to the department and university?
9: Yeah, you know, I try real hard to to keep things in perspective, especially when talking to the team. You know, most of the time we don't take rankings too seriously. We try not to get distracted with the number, you know, but this is different. This is different. It's definitely special and it deserves appreciation and it means a ton to me over the time that I've been here to to get the public recognition for the work that we've done and to be in that spot means a ton. And I know the girls are awfully proud. The biggest thing about that, Dave, is that, you know, it doesn't change one bit what we see when we look in the mirror. Like we've seen ourselves this way the whole time, but I think it changes literally how every other person sees you. Um, you know, now it's not just Trinity, but it's Trinity, the number one team in the nation. So they have added incentive to give us the best shot that they possibly can because – I mean, how cool is it to beat the number one team in the nation? It'd be awesome. So we have to shoulder that burden, and we have to look it in the eye, and we have to try as hard as we can to maintain our level of performance while we have this incredible recognition from you guys. So I I definitely appreciate it.
0: Mm. Sorry, I clicked on the wrong link. (laughs) It happens. This is what happens when you're not paying attention to what you're doing here. There we go. We fixed it. Um, Too much stuff in my head and maybe too many medications. Um, When you you talk about beating the number one, and to take a quick tangent off your team, I don't remember the rankings last year, but Christopher Newport I think might have been top dog when you played them in the uh, Sweet 16. Yep. I remember watching that game and being blown away, and and correct me if I'm wrong, that a team was basically taking what they were doing and putting it back in their face. You were breaking that press better than I've seen anyone else do. You were attacking them and, and getting them back on their heels. You owned that game. You absolutely owned that game. Got a huge win. To follow up then, I was startled to then see a different team take on Amherst. Like I saw that game against Christopher Newport and I thought, well, frick, Amherst has got no chance. And I'm not knocking, I'm just trying to understand what's yeah. the dynamics there of that game against Christopher Newport and that game against Amherst.
9: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a first of all, it's a it's a back to back. And, you know, Amherst has done such a good job for so long. They've earned the right to host two weekends in a row. You know, so you have your home crowd, all your people, you have your fans. Um, you know. And it's a great environment. And I thought the first half, you know, we did everything that we had to do. In fact, I would say we put them in a position to have to completely abandon what they like to do. You know, it wasn't hold it till the end of the shot clock. It wasn't win 50 to 52. Like, he turned them loose and let them shoot and let them go. And Fair I think if you, if you ask those players, they probably had the most fun they've ever had playing the second half of that game because they finally got to go hoop a little bit. And, I mean, honestly, <laughs> for me – like I, I fan out when I watched good players play well, and I thought it was outstanding the way they performed in the third quarter and they started making shots and they got momentum. And, you know, I thought we counter punched as best as we could. But in the end, it, you know, it's a tall task to go in and compete like we did with the number one team in the nation and then follow that up with the host team, who's traditionally been incredible um, and they have a winning culture and those kids understand what it takes to win and their coach understands what it takes to win. You know, for me, it was just – an awesome environment to play in. It was an awesome game to coach in, and it was fantastic to watch our players compete at that level. You know, we broke through last year. We had never been that far, and it was an incredible experience that I think we're leveraging this year really well.
0: Oh, great insight. I appreciate the the idea on that. And, again, I know that one game doesn't automatically lead to the next. It, just, it was funny how in my head I'm like, oh, sure, and the next day going, wait, wait, what? And and I know Amherst also can pull you in a very weird direction, uh, but yeah. so can Christopher Newport. Yeah. How much is is that weekend now building on with what you got now? It's seventeen and 8 and zero in conference play. How much is that weekend, that experience, and let's be honest, the near Final Four opportunity that you had
9: driving the boat? Yes, not at all. Actually, you know, we talk about not having a rearview mirror in this program all the time. We just focus on what's in front of us and. That's a great experience. I think we're using it, but we don't talk about it. We just talk about right now, Centenary and St. Thomas and the job that we have to do this weekend. And, you know, we've, we've taken this week to digest the ranking, which is incredible and to refocus on the work that we do in practice and film. And I think the girls are ready to get out there and play tomorrow. They're excited to compete. Um, You know, those things are awesome. And, it's it's great to be able to tell the story of what has happened in the past but for me my whole focus has always been out the front and and what we have to do next and you know I think that's why this team is as focused as they are this year and they really do take it one game at a time and it's pretty it's pretty wild to watch them just really dig into whoever's next
0: you're outscoring your opponents by 24 points a game. You have what I consider six players offensively that you have to watch out for. You have two who are definitely double figures, two more who are essentially on the doorstep of, of double figures in scoring, and two more who are a shade under nine a, a game. It starts with Ashlyn Milton. She's got 15 points a contest, five rebounds a game, shooting 50, 51% from the floor. Josie uh, Napoli, which we got a question on. We'll get back to her. Addie Uh, Is the other one double figures? Putnam and Robbins are near double figures. Shipley and Hale are the ones just outside of that. And I know Shipley hasn't played the whole season. She's missed some games as well. Give me a a sense, though, of that nucleus, that group, and everybody else, and how that is working, not only offensively where you're putting up uh, 86.5 points per game, but defensively where you're only allowing 63.
9: Yeah, it's a – There's a continuity to the way that the locker room operates. You know, I mean, take me out of it. Those girls understand each other. They're incredibly supportive of one another, and they understand that basketball is a team sport. So even though Ashland scores a lot of points, there's been a lot of games where people have tried to face guard her. And I kind of chuckle because it's like you can take her out of the the game if you want to, but you have a lot of other players that you have to manage on our team. And the way we move the ball and the way we space the floor makes it tough. Um, Certainly – not unbeatable. Somebody will crack the code, you know, you, you think. But right now, the way that they blend their talent is pretty elite. And it, no one on our team cares who has to carry the heavy load night to night. You know, it, it's, it's a shared experience, and they uh, embrace that. And I think our bench has done a great job coming in and managing the minutes that they have to contribute to our winning streak. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we have a good team. You know, you can talk about the individual players all you want, but those players are the ingredients that make up this incredible team. And that's what I think our superpower is.
0: To that point, uh, the question we had uh, from someone down there who wanted to hear from you was uh, talk about Napoli's recent play, and you look at her line. She's she's got her fair share of double-digit games, but the last two, 23 points, 24 points against Texas Lutheran and Southwestern, uh, 15 of 29 from the floor, uh, 9 of 18 from beyond the arc, 8 for 8 from the free throw line. Give me a sense of what's worked for her so well, and why is it her right now? I guess you've kind of answered this and and not someone else.
9: Yeah, I just think that, you know, it's interesting for her. You know, she was, she was a great player last year at, at Pacific Lutheran, and she had the ball a lot, and she got to make a lot of decisions, and then she plugs herself into our system, and it took her a little while. It took everybody a little while to kind of get to where they, they understand and trust the instinctive plays that all of our players make. And right now, like, we're training in a way – where everyone really understands one another now. So when Josie drives the ball, we're spacing in the right places. She's finding open teammates. You force closeouts to those people. She relocates outside the three-point line. Now she's open. She's catching inside-out three. She's shooting the ball with a lot of confidence. But at the end of the day, the reason she's been successful with our team is because she's an elite decision-maker. I mean, she's a brilliant basketball player, and she, she always finds a teammate and gives that person an opportunity to do something positive. So, you know she's she's one of of seventeen that we have in our program that that are very special, but she certainly has played well of late and and that's fun to see because she's worked really hard and and I have tons of respect for that
0: let's let me pivot a little bit towards your schedule um Obviously, with a big target on your back and the success you had last season and even previous seasons, it is tough to schedule. You're also located in a state called Texas, as according to my notes. Uh, and there isn't a lot of teams around you. We started the show with more news out of Texas about how the ASC is now a little bit under pressure with possibly more losses there. You your SOS ain't bad if these numbers are accurate at 5607, I believe. You're 112th in the country, so it's it's not a horrible spot. But you have Two games against Harden-Simmons that were, interestingly enough, back-to-back. You've got multiple games against other ASCs. How difficult have you found it to schedule? And, and by the way, this compares to Smith, who we just talked to, who's number one, who has a very different conference schedule as well. But how tough have you found it to schedule? And have you guys been limited in in getting to go elsewhere? Like, have you tried to go and find other games elsewhere or bring other people in? Because I know you've had some success in the past.
9: Yeah, no, traveling is awesome. And we we love to get out on the road and, and go challenge ourselves with great games. You know, every school handled COVID differently. And for us, you know, we don't have the travel budget that we've had in the past, which adds another layer of just interesting things to how you go and try to, you know, create a good strict the schedule in your non-conference. I'm not going to say anything bad about our conference. Our conference is what it is. Everybody's trying really hard, but our conference hurts our strict the schedule. So if we're not able to go and get you know, two or three, four top 25 games in our non-conference, it's really hard for us. So we were lucky this year that Kendra was willing to do a home and home and we're always able to get Mark to play with UMHB. And then Casey's a great friend of mine at Puget and we try to help each other as often as we can and they're having a heck of a season. So they came down and we'll try to repay that trip next year. But, you know, I think everybody kind of learns that they have a, a circle of people that they can count on in scheduling. And when those people also have good teams, it makes a huge difference. And, you know, when when we get our our budget kind of reestablished to a point where we can hop on some planes and get out there and go, we really don't have a problem playing away from home. Um, I'll go anywhere to play anybody if it's the right thing for the team and it makes sense for our schedule. But, yeah, I mean, I think this year's worked out perfectly. Um, I'm awfully proud of the job that Harden Simmons has done with their season. They've played great. They're a really good team. UMHB is always really good. And like I said, you know, just having a great year and you fill in the rest of it with games that fit what you can afford to do. And right now that's kind of where we're at. But, you know, all of that stuff, notwithstanding. You know, the regional rankings are certainly important, but your strength of schedule is not always something that you can control. So you have to just win the games that you play. And that's what we try to do. We just want to win the next game. And, you know, that's our focus going into tomorrow.
0: No, I appreciate that. Uh, it's interesting insight to hear that the the budget got a little tighter on those things. Those are the things that a lot of us on the outside can't fully appreciate. So thanks for the the yeah. knowledge. Uh, by the way, shameless plug, there's this wonderful event in Las Vegas called the D3Hoops.com Classic. Uh, <laughs> love to have you there. Maybe bring the men along, make it a big event. I'm just saying, just a thought.
9: Yeah, we can definitely look into that.
0: Just we get some good teams. Hey, maybe you and Amherst rematch?
9: Whatever, man. Let's do it.
0: I love you. Um, hey, quickly, what's ahead? You got Centenary and St. Thomas this weekend. Uh, St. Thomas in the years past has been tough. I know they're kind of still evolving into Division Three. The men's teams obviously bonkers good right now. Uh, then you're on the road, Schreiner and Colorado College. Kind of a, a tough run there before finishing up. Actually, with four home games, so f- six of your next eight will actually be at home, which is key. But w- what's the most important part, and what should we expect?
9: Um, Yeah, I don't know what to tell you in terms of expectation. I know we're going to play hard. We're going to prepare hard and we're going to do the best that we can. Um, It's awesome. You know, you never know how the conference schedule is going to shake out. It's really nice to have this little runway at the end where we get to be at home and then we're actually the host institution for the SCAC tournament this year.
0: Oh, right. That's decided ahead of time.
9: Yeah, so that's cool. And you know, one of the things that I I think we all kind of deal with this in Division three, in all basketball, but we play a lot of games over breaks where the fans aren't around to come and support the team. So it'll be really fun to have our student body on campus for a couple home games and to get some energy in the gymnasium and let people appreciate the job these girls have done this year. Um, but yeah, man, at the end of the day, whatever the schedule is, it is. And I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but we truly just focus on one game at a time and we're going to do our best to play well tomorrow and then we'll watch the film and we'll do our best to play well Saturday and then we'll recalibrate and get ready for Shriner and Colorado who are both very good teams with very capable players. So it's it's really exciting to think about what we have ahead of us and it's exciting to think of, you know, just the opportunity we have to continue to do this because this is really fun. Just watch out, Shriner, Southwestern.
0: I hear sometimes things get a little physical punches might get thrown. Just, just
9: watch out. Yeah. We, we took a tybo class last week, so I feel like we're good.
0: <laughs> well played, sir. Uh, Hey, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Uh, I wish I could talk to you more, but we like to jam way too many guests into a program and we're going to get going, but, uh, yeah. you take care. We always give the co- the coach, guest, whatever the final word, any final thoughts you'd like to share with those tuned in.
9: I just always like to tell you how much we appreciate the platform you create for our level and for our student athletes, um, I know all the coaches appreciate you, and I'm certainly one of those. I, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me, and I wish you the best. I hope you feel better, my friend.
0: Thanks, sir. Thanks for taking the time to speak to us. I, I kid you not, that is a big part of our ability to do this show well, and it, it means a lot to me. Again, we're going to have to talk about the headwear, uh, a lot of expectations, but you know, I know you have one another one sitting there. I know. I'm ready. Let, She's it, it's a, I know it's a labor of love, but man, that's got to hurt, too.
9: Yeah, don't worry about it. You just keep it, cheering for the Cubs.
0: Yeah, well, that's that hurts, too. Yeah. <laughs> hey, sir, take care of yourself. We'll talk soon. Be good, Dave. Thank you. Cameron Hill, join us. Blue Frame Technology, Hoopsville Hotline. Really fun chatting with him. Great to see him in person seven years ago. Wish we could get down in San Antonio a little more often. We'll take a break. When we come back, switch gears. Tom Palumbo of Guilford will join us. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More with more with the show
1: after this. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, Supportive, you know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities.
5: used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless.
4: I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being. Not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly is all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being.
0: Wrong thing was set up there. You got to see Tom and I just kind of chilling for a second. Welcome to Hoopsville, everybody. I hope you're doing well. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Voice is holding up. I'll take that for the win right now. Uh, Hope you are holding up well as well. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville, at d3sports.com. You can join us where we're simulcasting the show, facebook.com slash hoopsville or youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. Appreciate so far all our guests. Coming up, we still have Riley Zayas and Scott Peterson we will talk about the women's top 25 from their perspective. Switching gears back to men for a bit, the Odak race is fascinating to watch. As we expected, Randolph-Macon, not surprisingly, still darn good. But behind them, there's a lot of good teams, including the Guilford Quakers, who are probably the, the best team to keep the Macon Yellow Jackets honest, though I'm sure a rematch with them was going to be one to watch coming off a big win over Roanoke. Guilford is clicking along. And so joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops so Hotline is their head coach, Tom Bolumbo. Joins us uh via Zoom. And sir, appreciate you the time to take to join us. Uh first and foremost, congratulations. Cause this this is an outstanding season for you guys, building on what you were you're kind of starting to put together last year.
10: Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate you toughing it out tonight, too.
0: Yeah, well, uh, Maybe I'm babying it. Who knows? <laughs> hey, sorry, I hit the wrong button. So a huge season this year. I think it's it's funny because last year, really good year, just got left on the outside looking into the NCAA tournament due to some, uh, I think the SOS number or something. I can't remember all the details. And I remember looking at what you had coming back, going, you know what? They they could be pretty good. And watching, I'm like, yeah, they're there. Then I got some texts from those who had seen you going, oh, this team's really good. They they could make a deep NCAA tournament run. Hey, watch out for this. Watch out. This is what they do well, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, the, the attention's building, and and people are starting to notice you guys. What are you doing so well that's getting so much attention?
10: Well, I think, first of all, it's a little too early to be talking about. It. I think, you know, we're just trying to. You know, trying to get this time of year. You know, you're in the grind of the middle of uh, of your conference schedule. We're about halfway through, I think, with our game last night. So, you know, we're just trying to uh, we're trying to in in this league. You're trying to make it from Wednesday to Sunday and just survive. So, uh, I, we we've defended really well. You know, I mean, we've 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 played some really good team defense. We have some great individual defenders, and we have some great team defenders. Uh, you know, we've rebounded it okay. I don't think we've rebounded it to the level that we uh, that we'd need to. Um, or that hopefully we're going to, and then offensively, I think we can we can continue to improve. I don't think we've scratched the surface of of where we can be, and, and we need to get better. You know, we have not been great offensively, um, and I think we can we can we can get there because we have some really good offensive players.
0: Okay, so that's interesting. A lot of people would say you're you're playing pretty well offensively. I understand a coach never thinks it's as at at the zenith that it could be. What do you think needs to improve on the offensive end? You beat a pretty good Roanoke squad at home. And and you had a pretty good game, if memory serves, against Macon already.
10: Yeah, you know, and both those games were, were very physical, um, low, really low scoring games. I think our Macon game was in the fifties. And then last night, Roanoke was both teams basically in the fifties again. But, you know, both those teams are so good defensively and you know, their schemes are very good, very solid, very fundamental. It's really hard to score against, against teams like that. And we think we're hard to score on too, but it's, it's just been a, it's been where we, you know, I think when you, when you find some holes and you find some, some opportunities during a game to, to cash in on opportunities uh, you know, I think we can do that better than we have to this point. You know, I think we uh we have some really good perimeter shooters. We have some good inside play. And I think once we, you know, as we continue to move along, get to get more familiar with each other. I think we do that every day. I think we grow every day. But it's you know, it's a work in progress. It's the middle of January, and you know, we're just again, we're trying to you try to make it to Wednesday, and then then get ready, to try to make it to Saturday.
0: Yeah, no, I can appreciate that. Uh, your your losses earlier this season, uh, one to lacrosse seventy four sixty eight certainly doesn't look bad, and and one to uh, North Carolina Wesley, fifty two fifty. I know Ryan Scott brought that game up when he was talking about the top 25 and how good um, the bishops, the battling bishops are likely this season. Uh, and then you have the Randolph-Macon game, as you mentioned, uh, uh, what, uh, just over, oh, about two weeks ago, 59-56. Um, hmm. 50, what is it about those games, besides maybe being defensive battles, as you mentioned in the make uh, in the making game and, and maybe in the battling bishops game, what is it about those games, though, that you're using to build upon to improve things or learn from, yeah,
10: yeah, you know, I think uh, just like all teams, you know, we, we look at the video, uh, you know, with our guys, and obviously as a you know our staff, we look at it and just try to, you know, try to help them, try to put them in positions to to be successful, try to help them against the opponent you're getting ready to face, and you know, not it's not really changing what you're doing. I think it's just trying to help your players and and put them in spots where they're comfortable and where they can be successful and where they can help their teammates be successful. So. And I think that's you know that's it's why you practice, it's why we practice. But it's also the, the watching of the film and knowing your opponent and how they're going to play you, and uh, just trying to help your guys and give them some and give them some things that they can they can do and do in practice, and hopefully can can get done in the games to to help them be successful both offensively and defensively.
0: Interestingly enough, you're kind of in a stretch here of of interest. Um and we'll talk more about the conference here because it's obviously gotten a little bit bigger too. So I want to get your 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 intake on that as well. But you, you started January with a game against a really good Washington and Lee team and, and got them by 20 at your place on the road against Macon, tough place to play, lost by three then Lynchburg and Averett, kind of the, I'm not knocking them, but kind of a little bit of a lull before now there's ramp here. You got Roanoke, Virginia Wesleyan, Hampton, Sydney, even Eastern Mennonite, Roanoke at home, but Virginia Wesleyan, Hampton, Sydney will have to be on the road and Eastern Mennonite finally back home. This is kind of a a challenging stretch of ODAC play.
10: Yeah. I think the worst thing you can do in our league is to look down the road at what's, uh, what's facing you. I think that's, uh, that is not what you want to do. And, uh, We've, we've done a really good job I think as a as a as our program and our players of just flushing whatever happened uh the day before or the game before whether it was a win or a loss you flush it out and you move on to the next one you don't look any further than that you don't look behind and you try to learn from what you what you just did and and try to get better from it but I think you just you know for us it's just you know moving on to to Virginia Wesley and actually I thought that's why you had me on the show because that's the that's the the site of the the greatest Division three game ever played, right? Guilford Lincoln, triple overtime, Ben Strong, fifty nine points. I mean, you can't beat that. I know you were there.
0: Oh, I was, and my voice might have sounded like this at the end of it. Believe it or not, and no, I had that in the back of my mind when I saw the matchup. I thought, first, you just got done with Roanoke. I, I love Clay's program, but geez, Virginia Wesleyan's coming up. For a moment, let's take let's go down nostalgia lane. Bonkers, sir bonkers game at Val West. And of course, a really good game the next night uh, against Virginia Wesley in the elite eight. What, what's really amazing was your triple overtime game was the game that no one was really paying attention to. Everyone was waiting for the top 10 matchup following that, that turned into a dud of a game. But I, I don't remember how long ago that 59 points for Ben Strong was, but t- what are your memories of that? And, and do you think of it every time you walk into that place? Uh, I don't
10: know about that. I mean, it comes up from from time to time. I think you more think about what those guys what we had to go through to just to play the next day. I mean, playing a triple overtime, sweet sixteen game, uh, just the physical toll and the way and and as physical as that game was to go three overtimes and then you gotta turn around and play Virginia Wesley and who you know they're playing at home, and they're unbelievably good. And uh, you know we hung in, hung in, hung in till the end. You know we just didn't have enough, just didn't have enough left for those guys. But they were so good. Um, you know even fresh that was going to be tough. But coming off a coming off a triple overtime, two and a half hour basketball game was pretty difficult.
0: Actually, I can't remember. Was that the year Virginia was? No, that was the year they were defending champs, weren't they?
10: Yeah. Yeah, I so, think they yeah. Went to, well. Obviously, they went to the final four because they beat us. But uh, I think they lost to Wash U that year in the in the semis, if I'm not mistaken.
0: But hitting the wrong button, they got to the title game uh, oh, and to title lost to the title game.
10: Okay, okay, yeah,
0: um, yeah, great memories, sir, to say the least. Uh, obviously, Virginia West ain't ahead, though. Massetto's team maybe not as great as those teams were, um, but he's got a tough team, and at home they are really tough to play. How do you? What are you guys expecting?
10: Yeah, they're really good. You know, they're gonna they're gonna come out and they're gonna come after you, full court man to man. And you know, they're they're very athletic. They play very fast. You know, in transition, we're gonna have to, you know, we're really gonna have to make sure we're we're on point with what we're doing. And you know, you've, you you got to find ways to score against those guys because they defend they defend at a high level and uh, they always have and they always will and they hang their hat on it. And it's just really. You know it's really hard to score on those guys. I mean, just like it was last night, Roanoke really hard to score on those guys. in our league, there's so many good defensive teams, and it's just, you know, it's really tough. You've got to, you know, it's 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 not a fist fight, but it's a fight. You know, you got to. It, it's tough. You know, it's really tough. You got to be prepared for the physicality of it. Um, you know, and you can't you, you can't get down if you go into a rut of four or five minutes. You just got to be able to hang in there.
0: Not that you're looking that far ahead, because we've learned on the show you you look at it one game at a time. But after that is Hampton-Sydney, they're the ones who are technically ahead of you, eight and one in conference play due to the eight wins. Virginia Wesleyan's in that group. That's uh, two and a half behind you at five and four. And that that Hampton-Sydney program has turned around and is part of the reason that this ODAC has gotten so much tougher than it already was. Add in the fact you now also have Averett in the conference, so the schedule is even more demanding. Give us a sense of what it's like to play in the ODAC this season.
10: Yeah, you know, you, you rattled it off with all the teams at the at the top, and it's it's like I've, like I've always said, and, and you know, there have been some down years, um, but for the most part, you know, you say the teams that are at the bottom are at the bottom. Well, they're really not bottom teams. It's just – the teams at the top are so good, the teams at the bottom are pretty good, too. You know, there's a lot of teams in our league that are going to finish, you know, eighth and ninth That in different leagues. They could be right at the top for sure. And in a different year, maybe in our league, they could be at the top. It's just this seems to be this, this is shaping up us to kind of one of those years where there's so many good teams. Um, and it's really going to be really going to be difficult as you move down the stretch here.
0: Does it change the motivation that Randolph Macon was the defending or is the defending champs won the championship last year? Does it change uh, a team's mentality of what can be done in this conference?
10: Yeah. You know, I think what Dave's done at Virginia Wesleyan and winning a national championship and going to Final Four and then, you know, Josh's team last year, you know, just unbelievable season. And then to come back and back it up again this year, I think, I think we've always kind of felt like if you can if you can survive the ODAK, in other words, either win the ODAK or get to the NCAA tournament through our league, that you have a shot. Like, it's not like you're just going in there and you're going to, you're happy to be there kind of thing. You feel like if you're good enough to make it out of our league, you're good enough to, you know, you're good enough to do some things in the tournament. We've always felt like that. And I think that's a lot due to first what Dave did at Virginia Wesleyan. And now what, what Josh is doing at Randolph-Macon, you feel like, man, you can compete with those guys and, you got a chance at this thing. So, and, you know, we got to go to back to back Final Four. So, you know, we've kind of you know, we felt that a little bit too from from our perspective. But, you know, it's 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 you know, it's tough. It's just really hard in our league and and everybody knows it.
0: Not to to knock on the conference tournament, I know everyone has pride in that. It's a great event. It's at the Salem Civic Center. It's fun to be at. I've been to it, it's a wonderful thing. But especially when you get the three games back to back to back to finish the weekend and get into the tournament I've always had this sense that it's a it could be a detriment. I'm not sure if it is, but it could be a detriment cuz you have a very tired program going into the NCAAs with a couple of days to rest, recuperate, prepare and execute for that first weekend of the tournament. I don't know. I don't I'm not asking for solutions, but has there ever been a discussion of maybe maybe we've bitten off too much here and we need to find a better way to prepare our teams for March.
10: No, I think in alternate years, you know, it's, it's a Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and then sometimes it's a Friday, Saturday. Right. So I think the coaches would tell you that, man, if you can battle through three days of playing at that level, back to back to back with short turnarounds, when you get to the NCAA tournament and then you're playing that first game and then you got to turn around and play again. And you've already done, you've done, you've done more than that. Cause you've done that twice. Um, and I think I you know, I think all of our kids like I build that certainly as a positive and um, that you've you've done something that's really hard to do. And now you're about to try to do something that's also really hard, um, but you've done it and you've been there. And uh, I think it's I think it's helpful. Like, I really I really think it's helpful um, to our to our programs and to us.
0: No, I, I appreciate that. That's kind of why I was asking. I, I wanted to know, is it a, a positive or or can it be a, uh, something that hurts you? But I- I'm great to hear that you guys think you can build from that and, and teach them. And-, and I agree with that with some conference schedules. When they've gone away from the weekend stuff, they're like, it's too challenging. And I'm like, well, you're never going to survive March. So uh, it's great to hear that uh, quickly about your team. I, I pushed it off too far here. Tyler Deerman, Jordan Davis, miles Washington, lean the team in double scorings, 15 plus uh, 12 points and 10 points respectively. Uh, all pretty much shoot the ball well from the floor, especially from beyond the arc. The Washington doesn't take as many shots and you've got a lot of other contributors. Can you just give us a sense of who these guys are? What makes them click and what makes them so dangerous?
10: Sure. You know, uh, Tyler, Julius, and Jordan have been with us, you know, for for four years. You know, Jordan with the COVID year for five years. And uh, you know, those guys are the, you know, they run the team. You know, they know they know the atmosphere we're trying to create. They know what it takes to, to compete at the highest level against these teams. And I can't, you know, I can't say enough about uh, you know, specifically those those three guys to uh what they've done and what they continue to do for our team. But we've been able to blend. Um, You know, the returns we had from last year with with some guys that have come in and and really been great, uh, great for our program. Miles, you know, Miles being one Rob Littlejohn, uh, you know, uh, we've just had some really good, really good guys come in and be able to, you know, adapt to what we're trying to do, sacrifice for the team um and that's been and that's been really good uh really good for us to, to do elijah bones is another guy who came in uh you know for 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 his first year here and uh you know it's 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 been special i really like these guys i really like coming to practice and uh they're fun to be around they work hard and when it comes time to play games they're 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 down to business ready to go uh
0: i know you just won your 600th career game not all at guilford did that take place with uh, Herbie Davis in attendance? Was that that game against Lynchburg?
10: Uh yeah, that was the Lynchburg game. Yeah, it was the Lynchburg game. My, I think I think my daughter's the only one who knew uh, that that it was the six uh, hundredth win. We don't. It's not like we're sitting around uh, thinking about it. So she 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 alerted me before the season started, and I think she emailed our uh, our people at Guilford so they knew. You know, it's 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 just one of those things, man. We're just trying to. Like you're just trying to go one and zero oh on the day. That's what we talk about. We're just trying to win one game, man, and just trying to move it on to the next one.
0: I just figured maybe Hurry was in in attendance, uh, the UNC head coach. Just to, oh to Hubert, yeah, Hubert you.
10: was there. Hubert was there. Yeah, he was there because just fun place for uh, for Lynchburg. So he was there, and uh, and I don't think people distracted him too much during the game. I think after the game, everybody wanted to get pictures with him and everything. Uh, it's a pretty big deal to have that guy, uh, you know, have that guy in the
0: building. I just figured, along with his son, he was there to congratulate you. That just was what I figured.
2: <laughs>
10: <laughs> yeah,
0: right. <laughs> That's what it was. He just came down the road to say hi. That's hey,
10: right.
0: <laughs> Tom, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Uh, and I left you a little bit late because we're running behind. But thanks so much for your time. And uh, congratulations on a great season. Uh, people who've talked to me speak real high about your your team this season and what it could do. And I'm glad to get you on to talk about it. By the way, we should point out you finish the regular season with a game against Randolph Macon at home. I think everyone's got that circled. I know I do. Looking forward to seeing how that plays out. But in the meantime, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those tuned in?
10: Yeah, I want to thank you for all you do uh, for Division three basketball. But uh, so my final word. I know you've got the the women's basketball panel coming up, and I want to get the uh, Guilford College women's basketball team on the radar here. Fourteen and three, won eight in a row. Uh, Lindsey uh perennial player of the year in the ODAC. Uh, give them a little consideration here for uh, for the rankings. I'll put that plug in when you get that panel on there.
0: Hey, sir, well done. Thank well, you. Well done. Deep dive from Tom Palumbo. Love it.
10: <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, sir. You take care of yourself. Thanks for the time. And uh, we'll try not to remember the triple overtime game too much more often.
10: I hear you, man. I hope you feel better.
0: See you. Thank you. Tom Balumbo, joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Really appreciate him taking the time. Uh, that was fun. Yeah, that triple overtime game, folks, I will never forget it. Calling that game, 59 points for Ben Strong, another great guy. Who, by the way, I saw at the uh, Final Four last year. He was in the same hotel as us getting there to play a G League game. Take a break. When we come back, the aforementioned women's panel will join us. You guys, make sure to join us again. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this.
1: These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer. At every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities.
2: It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court.
3: got more schools than Division 1, more fans than Division 2, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships, and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division 3 basketball like we do. We're at D3hoops.com at www.d3hoops
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're rolling along nicely as long as we are. I'm amazed my voice is holding out. I know it doesn't sound normal, and it's a little bit of pressure, and I've been drinking a ton of hot liquids, but it's working. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm glad we didn't postpone today's show. It's been great, and I want to appreciate all guests. We'll thank them at the finale of the show as well, uh, including a couple other shout outs. Now, time to pivot on the women's side of things. You heard Tom Palumbo push for the Guilford Quakers. There would be some who say there's some pro- uh, some problems and flaws with their uh, resume. Maybe we'll dive in on that. But joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline to discuss it with us and to have some fun with it uh, we go to the double take and it is Scott Peterson uh, if you're looking at your screen in your upper left and Riley Zayas in your upper right talking to us about the women's top 25 gentlemen thanks for taking the time to join it's good to see you hope you're well yeah good to be on Dave
7: yeah thank you for having us on Dave we're always uh, always glad to talk some D3 women's hoops
0: good point sir uh, it's always fun to talk, uh, and I'm, I really appreciate the time you guys give us to do this. Um, let, let's just get a quick take, because we haven't talked to you guys in quite some time. I want to get a quick take on what you guys think of what I think has been a little bit more of a of a bumpy women's season. Yes, we have some undefeateds, but the uh, the ones we always kind of lean on aren't having the seasons we're kind of used to, right, Scott?
6: I would agree with that and I think it's really entertaining to see because I wouldn't say that having fewer undefeated means that the quality of play or the quality of the teams is any less. I think we're seeing some different scheduling habits and maybe a stronger kind of middle of the middle of the entire landscape, but especially Whitewater just scheduling seems like everybody that they can find who might be a top 50 team across the entire nation. You're going to automatically create a lack of undefeated teams because they've got to play whitewater a lot or whitewater has to play them a lot. And that's not the only case of something like that happening. You're seeing Trine traveling and Warburg traveling and uh, CCIW teams traveling. And I think it's pretty, it's pretty sweet to see a lot of geographical region mixing and knocking down that number of undefeateds.
0: Great point. Great point. And as Smith points out, even them going out there schedule as as many good teams as they possibly can. Riley, your, your take on things so far.
7: Yeah. I mean, similar to what Scott said, I've been super impressed by how competitive um, teams have been. And, and, And I do think that seeing a lot of teams scheduling tough competition early on back in November and December is helping them now. And the other thing I've really liked is is how many teams that entered the year in November as very, very young squads, you know, Mary Hart and Baylor, uh, eight of their 13 main rotational players are in their first year in the program. Wisconsin Oshkosh, you know, has probably the youngest team they've had under Brad Fisher, their head coach and those teams in November look a lot different than they do now in January. And, and you know, there's been some, some bumps in the road, but they have, fought through those and it's great to see that development and maturity you know kind of coming about for for some of those teams that we weren't quite sure about you know back in November so we've learned a lot since our the last time we were here on on Hoopsville.
0: Good point we have learned a lot and speaking of we should get right into it uh real quick Tom Palumbo uh wanted to bring up uh his Quakers women's basketball program as a top 25 team your guys thoughts anybody voting for him?
6: I don't think so. There's The strength of schedule is just too low, and there's not really a good, what I would deem a good win on the schedule. The best teams that they've played, they've taken a loss for them. That said, I do think they have a shot to be regionally ranked coming up, but those upcoming games against Bridgewater, Randolph College, Randolph-Macon, and there was one more that's escaping Washington-Lee. Those are going to be their, their big barometers, and if they can get two of those, I think they could, they could see some really nice regional recognition.
0: No, I agree with you, um, Riley. Any thoughts, or you just want to
7: move on to the next? Yeah, they're they're on a they're on a roll right now. I mean, they they put some wins together, but but similar to what Scott said, I, I always like to see when teams are have the chance to play other quality opponents. And really, we we haven't quite seen that from from Guilford, you know, in, in the perhaps maybe the way we would like them to. And and at this point, too, there's just so many teams in contention right now for the top 35. I right? uh, I mean, there's so many teams when you look at that others receiving votes category right now. Uh so they're they're definitely in a tough tough spot right now but I think they're playing good basketball. There's a lot of teams right now that are playing good basketball putting together wins and uh frankly just maybe the strength of schedule right now isn't there for for a lot of voters. That's kind of where I'm at right now as a voter.
0: Makes sense. Hey, let's go into it. Let's start with a deep dive since you know, Guilford's a bit of a deep dive. Let's go deep dive. Riley, we'll start with yours. Who's your deep dive team?
7: Yeah, and uh, as a as a voter, um, those who follow the blog that I run, I had five teams in my ballot this past week, which is quite a few who didn't get into the top 25. So I could go pretty much anywhere with this. But uh, UW Stout is, is the team I'm going to I'm going to take the Blue Devils 13 and five, five and two app record. I, I think there may be a team that, that you could overlook a little bit, but you look down their schedule. You know they they been Oshkosh. Stevens Point. Plattville looks like a pretty good win after their win over over Whitewater uh, this past week. And then obviously Stout beat Whitewater last Saturday in a really really big win. Um, you know moving ahead to the rest of the season, they'll have four of their final seven at home, uh, which I really really like. They'll get to play Eau Claire again at home. You know last night again we we ch- we chose these picks before last night's games, but. Uh, at halftime of last night's game against Eau Claire. At Eau Claire, you know, it was 36-31 30, um, at half. And Stout's just one of those teams. They're, they're competitive. They're, they're tough. Um, they got Reagan Sorensen leading the team with 14.2 points per game. They got a total of three averaging double figures in scoring right now. Um, again, they're young. I think they're a deep, deep team. So, you know, kind of where, where I like Stout right now is they've played quality competition. They've gotten to play... You know, Wash U and Rippin and, and Gustavius Adolphus, um, you know, their their five losses are all the very good teams right now. And so that's kind of where I'm at with them. They're ninth in Massey SOS. Uh and I, I think, you know, for quite a while we've seen them hanging around a little bit higher than maybe we'd expect in Massey's ratings. Um Scott's had them quite high at times as well in his model. So at this point, I, I think Stout is is just as much in the Wyatt fight as anyone. That Wyatt is tough top to bottom. Um, but you look at the stage right now, they're, they're second right behind Eau Claire. Uh, so very much in the fight for that WAC title. Scott, any thoughts?
6: So I don't have the same historical breadth of knowledge as someone like you, Dave, or Gordon, or others. But it does seem like there are fewer undefeated women's teams this year. And I think that you know that's due to a stronger middle class. It's harder to beat teams night in and night out. And if that's the case... Im- it might mean that voters are penalizing losses heavier than they should, right? If you're losing to strong teams and in past years, there was less purity. So you really needed to have one or two wins by the time the season ended to be in that top 10, 15, 20, it might not be the case right now. And stout has beat a ton of really good teams and it's, I love how Bob Quillman puts out his philosophy of voting, right? Because every voter can have their own philosophy. It's not dictated by somebody the way that NCAA selection is fairly well defined and dictated. So it's cool when someone's very clear about their philosophy. And part of my philosophy is, can you beat good teams? Like, do you have that upside? And I'll be more willing to forgive a loss, especially if it's to a good team. And I think by and large, Stout has lost to good teams. And their body of wins is very impressive to me. So I wouldn't, they're a team I really wouldn't want to face because they could take me down.
0: No, I, I think you have a point. Uh, I th- I think on the women's side, losses have always been a little bit more heavily um, um, impacted or, or a voter uh, takes them a little bit harder because we're so used to how many teams can go through a season with hardly ever losing. But I, we've said for a few years now that the parity side that we talk on men is arriving on the women's side. Though, John, to jump off on a tangent, we are seeing some less women playing in the high school ranks. That's something we'll talk about down the road, so who knows how long this lasts. (laughs) But no, the middle is better, and and the second tier is better. And I think maybe voters do need to adjust. I I can't say for sure, but I, I, I I buy that argument that maybe losses are still weighted too heavily and that sometimes you just have to understand even good teams take a loss, and that's certainly something I consider when I vote on the men's side. Is that you know teams can take a loss; it just depends on who that loss is to and other circumstances. I'll dive in harder. So good take. Uh, your deep dive, Scott.
6: We're going to go out west and talk about Laverne. They're a team kind of similar to UC Santa Cruz last year that doesn't have a whole lot of D three results to take a look at. But well, they, yeah, that's
0: an interesting combo for them,
6: right? For sure, but. They've beat. They have some quality wins. They've they beat Illinois Wesleyan. They beat Redlands. They beat Claremont Mud Scripps. They beat P- Pomona Pitzer on the road. And even though I think I'm I'm looking at ten Division three results at the moment, they are undefeated. the uh, The strength of the schedule is a little bit lacking, but the fact that they've got a couple wins against teams that might be regionally ranked, I think, kind of bumps them up a little bit in my eye. It it's still a little uncomfortable to push them into. Well, I think they're a top 25 team. I don't know if I would go that far, but I think they're a very interesting deep dive. They're playing really late if you're on the East Coast. Uh, it's easy to kind of miss those results and, and overlook them.
0: No, good call on Laverne. They actually popped on my radar a little bit, uh, so I dove in on their seven non-D3 games um, a little bit, as the guys could tell you. Uh, Riley, any follow-up thought on that?
7: Yeah, I mean, as Scott and I, you know, we, we keep in touch pretty closely throughout the weeks. And one thing that we've been talking about quite often is, is Region 10 and just how, you know, much we're, we're seeing a lot of these teams towards the bottom of, of where we possibly see the, the regionally ranked teams. Uh, just kind of fighting it out there in those, you know, six, seven, eight spots. Uh, and, and Laverne is certainly on my radar. I've, I've gotten to see them a few times. Um, I like watching the West Coast teams play. I think sometimes they tend to get overlooked just because of their geography, but it, they definitely need more attention. Uh, I've liked what I've seen from Laverne. Probably not enough for me to put them in my ballot, uh, but at this point in time, I have to agree agree with Scott. I mean, they're a good deep dive. They definitely should be on your radar if if you're kind of looking at across the country who are you know the teams that are they're really. Putting together good results right now and 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 playing playing well.
0: Appreciate the uh, insight, gents. Good choices on the deep dive. Let's uh, let's jump over to dubious. Let's just go flip it for one for the other. Let, this is a team that we that you guys think maybe is being voted too highly. Maybe they should be a top twenty-five team. Maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. We'll hear for these guys. But a dubious is one they think has floated too high. Uh, Scott, we'll start with you.
6: Yeah, my dubious is Messiah, who arrived in the top 25 this week at 24th. I think they're a team that has has a fairly strong profile that historically voters really like. They're 15 and two. They've only got two losses. And if you say, hey, what are those two losses? It's a road loss to Rochester and a road loss to DeSales. Both losses that you can say, hey, those are really strong teams. Road games are hard, and they won everything else. But I think there's a lot of of games that most of your top 50 teams in the nation are just going to run through like a hot knife through butter. And if we're looking at the NCAA strength of schedule, 543, um, kind of that's the combination of your opponents and opponents' opponents winning percentage. It's middle of the road for sure. Um, Massey kind of says the same thing, 152nd out of the 430 odd teams. And it just doesn't... If you look at the underlying stats as well, playing a weaker schedule, the point differential, rebound differential, and turnover differential, those are, I look at those differentials a little bit above some of the other ones. They're not as strong as the other top teams that have also played weak schedules. Like uh, We're going to talk about DeSales later who's played a weak schedule, but they're, those underlying stats are off the charts. Really, really, really good. And Messiahs are fairly underwhelming for the type of teams that they have largely beat. They definitely have impressive wins. Johns, Johns Hopkins, Gettysburg, those are impressive. But I'm not sure they're, they would be a top 25 team for me, You know, probably in that batch receiving a handful of votes.
0: Riley, your take?
7: Yeah, um, I'll be talking about another team with a similar kind of resume and position here in a second. But yeah, I, I think one of the things that as a voter, I've been looking a lot at, is, is who teams have played and, and have they done well in their biggest games Have they done well and have they put good performances on the floor when they played those quality teams? because yeah you can put high stats on on you know playing subpar opponents. Uh, and for me, I just watching Messiah play, I think they're definitely in the national conversation. I think they should definitely be considered as a top 25 team. but with the group of teams we have competing for those last two or three spots right now, in, in the you know in the poll, I, I can think of at least five or six teams that have played better teams, have beaten better teams, and ultimately you know going back to uh, Scott's stats, when you weigh those against the competition, the SOS that these five or six other teams have played, they're they're in the top of the receiving votes category. I think they're almost always going to be ahead of Messiah uh, when you look at it from that kind of a perspective. So who's yours? I mean, mine's going to be Washington Jefferson uh, who came into the top 35 this week at number 25 and it and similar to what to Scott I mean you, you look up and down their resume they're 16 and 1 12 and0 uh, impact play but you know they they really only have one quality win that's to, to Carnegie Mellon they did win on the road Carnegie Mellon you know number 63 by Massey right now and and Massey isn't everything I, I want to make that clear just here right off the bat, but I think Massey does a very good job of weighing road wins versus home wins, neutral court wins. And it's a good way to kind of analyze and look at teams. And without another quality win for me right now, as a voter looking at a team like Milliken or Gustavius Adolphus or Emory, uh, you know, or, you know, any one of those, even a few of the YAC schools, it's hard for me to see W and J ahead of those schools, just purely based on the, the week schedule that they've played um, you know, they're 224th in, in Massey SOS, which is not good. Uh, there, there's a lot of teams there have a 0.501 NCAA SOS. I think they're going to get into the NCAA tournament relatively easily through the pool. A. again, another team in the national conversation, but not one that I would be voting for right now uh, because we haven't seen them play enough top quality teams Um you know and and so I think sometimes when you get into this position it's good to have so many teams in in competition for those final few spots in the poll but you also come sometimes have teams like this where it seems like voters may be looking more at the record uh, than the wins that they have in, in the teams that they have played
0: well Scott any follow-up
6: yeah the, the way that I've termed or kind of labeled teams with a weak SOS is it's hard for us to gain certainty. It's not that we know they're not good. It's just that we don't know how good they are. Right. Absolutely. Washington and Jefferson could play an incredibly difficult schedule and have the exact same record, but we don't know because they haven't. And so, you know, it could be they they play a handful of teams in the, calvin puget sound Milliken range and they lose all of them or they win all of them we just we don't know at this point and so we don't have certainty over where they are and i would rather put a team in the top 25 poll that we have a little more certainty over
0: understandable uh, great take, guys really appreciate it interesting um it's funny because those two selections are teams i wasn't surprised made the top 25 but i think you guys make some interesting uh observations there um Debatable. Team that, should they should they not be? Where should they vote? Et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of a free-for-all. gives us a wild card, as it were. Scott, we'll start with you, as, right? Because I think I had right Rod- Yeah, Scott, we'll go with you. Debatable, what's your choice?
6: I think it's funny that, well, you were a little surprised that we talked about those two teams for Dubious, but as we were looking at the top 25, it was really hard to find a team higher ranked than those no. that were... You know, that's yeah, so really that. dubious to us. Yeah, so, no, you're
0: right. It's in the women's side, it's harder that way. Yeah, absolutely agree with you.
6: Um, so we think the voters are doing a really, really smart and good job, um, regardless of the philosophy that they're taking. Um, there's a whole batch of teams up there that I think most people would agree on. But on Deep Dive, I'm uh, or debatable, I'm debating Ithaca. I really don't know where I would go with them. They're currently 20th in the D3 Hoops poll, I believe. And so a few of the things that I uh, look at is, you know, how have you beat teams this year? They're a little bit lower. So I have a a model that I've labeled current season results because it's really just looking at who you've beat. It rewards really good wins, but it doesn't take into account eye test injuries, other things like that that are a little more subjective, but they're, they're 30th which is not really that far off from 20th. So I might think that there should be a little bit lower in the poll, but they're a strong team. They've got a strong winning percentage. The strength of schedule is there. They have some impressive wins. Um, But I think as a whole, I, I really love rewarding a whole batch of strong wins and not kind of having easy wins on your slate and Ithaca's, some strong, some some weak there. So I probably would shade them a little bit lower, but they're a really fascinating team to me. I don't, they could be a top 10 team. They could be team 35. I'm not really sure.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think Ithaca's all over. Riley?
7: Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say the same. I think one thing about Ithaca and one thing that I kind of saw as a voter, they took a really, really long break between early December to, to early January when they came back and played um, sometimes that can't be avoided, but I think they went off of a lot of others radars. At that point, um, they've obviously come back on. You know, their their record is good. They beat Cortland in a really really good game to open the season. They've really only gotten there from there. I like the Hamilton win. Uh, Hamilton's played some really really tough opponents right now. You know, I, I didn't have Ithaca in my ballot this past week. They're they're obviously under consideration. Um, I, I kind of would tend to agree with you there, Scott though. I, it's, it's hard to gauge some of these teams. Ithaca is no doubt probably the best team in their region, and, and I really like what I've seen from them. I think they they got some good young talent in the program. Uh, at, at this point, though, the one thing that does get me is they played Scranton, and now Scranton's a great, great team. Like we, But Scranton beat them 74-53, and that was a, a result. Again, teams can have off nights, but that was one that I kind of – challenged me to keep Ithaca really, really high on my ballot just because they they didn't seem to be the kind of team maybe a lot of voters had thought they would be um, before that game. But they do have the win you know over Catholic on the road, which is really good as well. So yeah, there there's there's a lot of pros and cons there with Ithaca for me.
0: Who's who's the team you're pro and con and then
7: the sales is going to be the team that, that I'm going with. Again, this was a pick we I, I had I like last it. Night. So it's one of those things that, as I've told Scott today, is like uh, coming back with a, a debatable right after they lose to Stevens isn't, you know, ideal. But we did see them lose to Stevens last night, you know, first loss of the season. I think the sales is, is a good team, but I do think they've floated it up a little bit because of some losses ahead of them. Uh, when you look, going back to the SOS kind of conversation we had before, you know, we just haven't seen them in enough big situations. Uh, where, where they've really been tested. You know, their best win is probably over Messiah. Messiah's number 54 Massey right now. We just got done talking about Messiah. And, and I think, you know, a, a 929 winning percentage is good. A 15-1 record is really good. They're probably going to be the number one team in Region 4. But on the con side, you know, they took that road loss to Stevens. Didn't look very good. Had an off night last night. And I think it exposed a little bit of of their, their weakest OS and some of the Maybe lack of opportunities. We've seen them uh, in in big situations. And I should note this too: a team that plays a lot of really really good teams, or at least more than what the sales has played, probably doesn't drop as far as I'm guessing the sales will drop uh, in this next week's poll, because the voters can say, well, they did take this one loss, but they have these four or five really really good wins. Um, they're number six right now. I, I probably would have them more in the nine to 12 range i think they're they're definitely a top 15 team right now just based on based on the eye test but resume wise i don't think it's there along with some of the other teams that they're up there in the top 10 with right now scott what's your take
6: i think teams that can accrue a really gaudy turnover differential against weak schedules it's hard for us to know how good they are. And sales their turnover differential is 15.3, which among Shoot. your your top handful of teams is second only to Christopher Newport, 15.8. Um, third is Trinity, Texas at 11.8, like further down. And I, I don't know what the turnover differential was last night versus Stevens, but it probably wasn't plus 15. And I, I think you see teams look a lot more pedestrian when they play a team that can take care of the ball. Uh, with some consistency. And uh, again, Massey isn't everything, but the average Massey rating of a sales win this year is 250. Uh, and so it just, it makes it, again, we don't have certainty <laughs> over how good they are by losing to Stevens last night kind of feels like they're more in a, you know, a 25 to 40 range than a five to 15 range. But again, that's one data point that's trying to give us a little more certainty uh, than we had before, but it's still fairly uncertain.
0: And that's what voters get stuck in the middle of, right? It's it's yep. this, okay, not a lot of data, but, sheesh, who else am I going to put there? And so a team will end up floating up a little bit, uh, especially as we talked about earlier, maybe losses are, are voted on heavier, and so a team will drop a little bit more significantly than maybe just leave them alone and just let them be if you feel that they're still the better team, than the team you have behind them. So great, great perspective on all that, guys. I, I really appreciate it. Certainly fun to to figure it all out. Uh, I'll, I'll say this much, for a change, the women's top 25, maybe not as cut and dry and as easy to do as as you normally would on a, on any given week.
6: Yeah, I think the WIAC especially is making that, the WIAC and the NESCAC are making that difficult because I think there's a ton of quality teams there that someone's got to lose, right? Half the teams have to lose, uh, when they play each other and I'm not sure that UW Stevens point is n- not a top 30 team, right. Or that Hamilton is not a top 30 team, but they could be the fifth or sixth best team in their conference. And I think those losses can kind of hide the fact that these teams are strong.
7: Yeah. The life has been super intriguing this year. I've, I've really enjoyed seeing, cause there's so many teams right now. Even you look at Flatville. You know, I think they were two and five uh, entering the the Whitewater game uh, yesterday and they end up going to Whitewater and being them. You just really can't figure the why I got this year.
0: No good call and I, and I think we can't figure it out on the men's side either <laughs> uh, to be completely honest it's it's a bonker year and, and it's been fun. Hey guys I really appreciate it. Um, I know you got a lot of fun stuff ahead. We'll look forward to getting you guys back on. Try and get you some other blood in here uh, to mix it up a little bit but you guys always have wonderful work uh, and do your homework. Really appreciate it. Riley uh, great sub stack uh, and blog we appreciate that and Scott I always love your uh, detail and data on, 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 the, uh, on Twitter. We should point out hopefully we'll get both you guys to help us make mock selections in about six weeks time right
7: hopefully absolutely
0: you're you're not denying it so that's a start i'll take that (laughs) hey guys thanks so much you guys have a great rest of your evenings uh enjoy the rest of the week the rest of the games whatever and we'll look forward to having you back on the show soon thanks dave thank you dave appreciate it absolutely riley and scott join us here on uh Blue Frame Technology, Hoopsville Hotline. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up some work that we need to get done uh, and f- answer some questions that have moved in, I think. I thought I saw some questions. We'll try and answer some questions. Listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC WBCA studios. More after this.
2: Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs, no private jets, no fan clubs, no Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable.
3: We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. If you've got any questions for for us, tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Join us on Facebook or YouTube, where we'll simulcast in the show, youtube.com slash d3hoopsville or facebook.com slash d3hoopsville. Uh, I know Facebook's somehow complaining about some issues. I do see we had s- something odd. We'll figure that all out and work our way towards uh, solving that in the future. But in the meantime, uh, I know I got an email from Charlie. Charlie, thank you for your time. We will uh, email you back because I know what happened and why it's confusing. We'll we'll get back to you on that. So bear with me. It's just hard to explain on air what you're looking at there. But So I'll email him back. His question was regarding uh, committee rosters and the like. Um, we usually post those at d3hoops.com. I don't know if we've posted the latest. We'll get back to that. The women's um, handbook from this season is not out yet. As we said at the top of the show, excuse me, it will be out very soon. They're trying to clean up some uh, errors, apparently, that they had in it. Uh, I'm not exactly sure all the details. Um, apparently, there's some new software they're using, et cetera. Uh, that will be out soon. Men's handbook is out. Um and a reminder: We will be talking to both committee chairs next Thursday, which is a 1 p.m. Eastern show. It's a, a midday show, uh, as I have to work that evening. So, um, in two week, uh, next week, next week, we will have both committee chairs on the show. And apparently, there may be some developments between now and then that we will get to talk about as well. Um, from those, from. from yeah, I mean, there's developments, obviously, because we're heading closer and closer to regional ranking time. First regional rankings will take place, if memory serves, on February 8th. I'm literally trying to remember the calendar and and can't. Uh, let's just, I got it in front of me now. Yeah, February 8th will be the first regional rankings. February, so, actually, men will be February 7th, women February 8th. Second week rankings, women or men February 14th, women 15th. Thirds are the 21st and 22nd. Final games of the regular season, everything has to be buttoned up by the 26th when the committees will do all their heavy lifting. We find out about who's in the tournaments on the 27th. We find the brackets, and we start uh, play on March 3rd. Obviously, it's a, a bit away. We will have the marathon on Thursday, February 2nd. I think our start time is going to be about noon uh, and we hope to go for about eight, nine, maybe more hours. Uh, looking, We're starting to book that up and looking forward to piecing that all together. Um, so again, next week, we'll be on the air on Monday, 7 o'clock, like we normally are. Tuesday at 1 o'clock. One show that is up in the air right now as to what time it will be is February 20th. I am taking a red eye back from Arizona the night before. I am expected in town in time to do that show. Uh, the question would be, will I be awake? <laughs> so look forward to that one, February 20th. Uh, that's coming up. Uh, that'll be conference championship week pretty much for everyone. Um, trying to remember. So the other news we we talked about at the top of the show, Saul Ross is applying for Division Two, according to reports out of Texas, which don't surprise us because we've been hearing and had Pretty much good information on that news um, for several months now. I think my conversations date back to October. I could be wrong, but that's about when I remember I thought conversations that the the Texas Board of Regents had given them the approval to move forward. But from what I heard, and again, I could be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty confident in my information. But from what I heard, the Board of Regents didn't really have any information given to them as to how... Sol Ross was going to put this together and pay for it and all of that information. Um, speculation has been that they think that saving on travel in the ASC in Division Three is going to give them the money to pay for scholarships. Well, you play more games in Division Two, so I don't see where that savings is. You're going to travel maybe shorter trips, but more trips. Um, uh, and that conference it runs the gamut. That conference has teams who are giving the max uh, scholarships available to Division II 100 Sports, and those who are giving out very few scholarships. And remember, those scholarships are not full rides. Those are all broken up. So if you're going in, say, in basketball, giving out three scholarships total for a 15-member team, how far is that really getting you? So... Um, there's a lot of concern that this is not the right move for Saul Ross, despite their isolation in the ASC, which is understandable. That this is just not going to work out, and, and maybe maybe they'll prove us every, and everybody else wrong. With a with a looming enrollment cliff, this is this. I think any move where you are increasing your budget in some capacity is a risky venture. What I think will be fascinating on the flip side of that is. When we get the official information as to who applied to Division Three, because I think I think that's going to be telling. Division three had a, a max of four. I don't remember. I know there was some discussion about maybe it was just me. Um, put a moratorium on that and open it up a little bit more than that. But Division Three did just vote that you must have a conference invitation to do so. This year's group will not apply to that. That will not apply. In next year's application group, it will apply. For example, Bob Jones is finishing up its third year of provisional, still does not have a conference home. And there's others. They're not the only ones. So I, I, I want to see who's coming. Is there? I, I don't think we're seeing yet, at, at this point, any more U Hartfords who will enter officially Division three next year and will be a member of the Triple C and we'll get we'll we'll get more insight on that coming up on that marathon show. Um I don't think we're going to see necessarily um a huge move by a D1 school if we haven't heard about it already cuz I I can't imagine that that would have happened without some type of news breaking about it prior. That said, after the U Hartford debacle and how that all happened, maybe some administration is going to keep that real close to the vest. And I know I'm way out on a limb, and this is going way off the deep end on this, but there are a lot of schools in Division One. I, I think in particular a number of the HBCUs, that I think Division Three would be the right home. Um, I know HBCUs have a rich history, and I, I think they are tremendous institutions for the most part. I think there's some, like with all groups, that maybe maybe aren't for the future, but the amount of money you need to maintain and give to your athletic department to keep it running in Division One, in this day and age is tough. And I think for HBCUs who have a lot of financial issues and weight and complaints and whatever – Maybe unloading and coming to Division Three and making and, and transitioning the history to the Division Three is the right move. I think they'd be more successful. I think they'd have a chance at touting themselves even more. I don't think you lose some of the aspects you already have. I think you could still sell the some of those events that they they put on national television because you're still the HBCUs. And and by the way. I'm not talking all of them. So maybe those who do come to Division 3 aren't the ones who... aren't the ones who haven't... Division Three or aren't, don't have national attention anyway. So it's irrelevant. My point. But I, maybe I'm... maybe it's pie in the sky. Maybe I'm naive of something. And it's certainly something I want to talk to some who know HBCUs better than me. But I, I have wondered for a while now if maybe the right home... You know, right. They don't get the money from Division One that way. Remember... Athletic departments aren't being... In Division One. the athletic departments get a check from the NCAA, i.e. from membership, per the contract for their athletic departments. And it's seven figures minimum, I believe. You would lose that. I get that. But I think you save in the long run. I think you, Hartford is going to show that. Um, again, maybe I'm naive. Maybe it's pie in the sky. Who knows? Just a thought I've had for a long time. We're going to wrap up this show, double-checking to see if we've gotten any questions in any of our mediums. Travis says, what does the National Committee use to actually calculate SOS? Do they have their own tool they plug the numbers into who is actually crunching the numbers? Travis, that is something that is universal across all Division Three sports. It's in the handbooks. Your SOS is basically your winning percentage, meaning... Um, I Sorry, let me phrase that. Your SOS is your opponent's winning percentage, meaning the winning percentage of your opponents, not counting the game you played them. They don't. You don't get docked for beating a team and their winning percentage goes down. So your game in that winning percentage is not accounted for. And then your opponent's opponent's winning percentage. Now, that has been a sticking point. Apparently, what we did not understand over the last few years is that that's a little bit more narrow a window of your opponent's opponent's winning percentage than we thought. We thought it literally was your opponent's opponent's winning percentage, but there are some games that are not considered in that, and to be honest, I don't remember that right now, and I'll have to go back on that, but two-thirds of the math is your, win- your opponent's winning percentage, and one-third of the math is the opponent's opponent's winning percentage. There's one caveat on the men's side. On the men's side, they put a weight on home and away. So all the games you play at home, your, that, that SOS number has a, or the winning percentages, I should say, the winning percentages have a multiplication of point what is it 0.75, I believe. And all of your away games have a weight of 1.25. The idea is you get a little bit of a boost for playing a game on the road. On the women, they do not use that metric. The men's basketball is one of two. I think in all of Division three that are still using that weight, and there's a debate of whether that needs to continue. Um, oh, you know the formula. I apologize. Well, that was good for anybody else who might be listening. Just wonder who is actually calculating. No, it's not committee members. Absolutely not. That math is done by NCAA statistics, so they all get every single result at the NCAA, and any result that counts. And we should point out that counts. That SOS does does not count games that are not Division Three, for the most part. There is an overall SOS that can be used, if absolutely necessary. But primary criteria, it's your Division Three opponents. And I will add, and this is very rare, but if you don't play 70% of your games against Division Three opponents, this, then not all your games count. Except if they fit the secondary cut, and this is—we're getting into the rabbit hole here a little bit. There's there's ways of games counted as regional. Let's start there, okay? And, and Travis, you may know this. I'm just going to say it anyway. Your game is regional if it's against a conference foe, i.e., if the UAA or our C 2 C conference, no matter who your conference mate is, it's considered a regional game, no matter where they're located. It's a regional game if you're played inside one of your specific region, one of the ten regions. It's a conference game if it's inside one of the the four geographic regions. For example, New York and Pennsylvania is a geographic region, all in New England, Maryland, Delaware, New Jersey, um, Virginia, I can't remember, is another region. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, there's, There's others, okay? So there's four of those. And in any game within 500 miles, not where it's played, the two schools. Whoever the two schools are 500 miles apart, no matter where they play the game, um, well, it does matter in terms of if X is playing at Y or Y is playing at X. We have found times where X playing at Y is a regional is inside 500, but Y playing at X is, not, is outside 500. It's wonky. But my point is if you come to Las Vegas at the D3Hoops.com Classic and you two schools are within 500 miles of one another, it will count as a regional game. If you play more than 70% of your games against Division III opponents that fit the criteria of, of regional games, then all your games count. In Division Three, In Division Three, So you can play someone who does not fit those criteria, but as long as you hit 70%, they all count. Except if it's non-Division three. So the SOS is measuring what counts. So in Laverne's case, for example, those seven games against non-Division 3s doesn't pop up until you go way in the weeds on secondary criteria. And to be honest, it won't come up. It might come up in the region, but it won't come up nationally. The NCA statistical group puts those numbers together. They are in front of a computer when the committees meet. They have a screen in front of them that has all that data in front of them. And that math is double-checked. When that information comes out, trust me, there's guys like Scott Peterson and there's guys like uh, the Snyder guys, the Snyder brothers, who are doing the math themselves as they understand the math to be done. And if they see glaring errors, trust me, I start getting phone calls and we start trying to figure out what had changed. And that happened last year when we were trying to figure out why something looked different with the opponent-opponent winning percentage. It wasn't coming up as we all thought it should. And it really had been that way for a few years, but no one had been paying attention. Or not paying attention. We just didn't dive into the hole. So anyway... That, na- that number is not being punched in my... Committee members are not sitting there going, okay, so it's so-and-so and so-and-so and putting all that data together and then they come up with a resume. That resume comes up in front of them. It's, it's there in front of them. It's got all the data they need. They also have common opponents. They have um, um, some other data. I, I, I can't go into all of it because we don't know. But that stuff's all pre... Just like in Division One. Division One sits in front of their computers and their information auto-populates from the information that the NCA statistics group has gotten and put together. So yeah, no, there's nobody... Uh, and everybody uses the same NCA tool. How they interpret the information, though, is where this becomes different. You can get a, 10 groups of 10 different people from all 10 regions, and they likely, for the most part, are going to be very similar but you're going to have differences. And I think, and to go back to Mike Schauer's point, you know, he said, listen to Dave. Well, we had a conversation doing our mock selections last year on the men's side, where we got down to the last one. And I had a strong feeling the committee was going to do it one way and select a particular team. The rest of the guys didn't see it that way. They wanted to go the other direction. So they went with a different team based on how they were reading the criteria. It turns out the committee had the conversation that I was having. That this doesn't mean I'm on page with the committee. It just means that I happened to read it the same way they were reading it. Or, let me rephrase that, I was reading it in a similar way, that that committee in particular in that moment was seeing those criteria points and making a selection based on those criteria points. Um, again, I think if you took 10 groups of, of 10 different people who know how to do this uh, each from each region, and put them in 10 different rooms and gave them all the same data, for the most part, you would get exactly the same inf- same results. You'd have exceptions to that. And that's where the human element of this comes in. If it was a computerized system that just spurted out based on locked-in set points on criteria, I don't think it'd be as interesting. Um, it doesn't add the nuance. And, it, and uh, well, it'd be boring. We'd, we'd know who the selections are because we'd already have it auto-populated for us. I guess I was just wondering if that is exclusive to them or is always public. Oh, no, it's 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 exclusive to them. They don't, the NCA doesn't, I shouldn't say the NCA, it's hard to say that. I don't want to, because remember, there's a lot of ways of, of describing the NCAA. But, um, no, we don't see that screen. We've never seen that screen. We get data. We do get data points to understand. For example, when the regional rankings come out, we get spreadsheets where it says the team, their overall record, their what's called in-region record, which is essentially their actual Division Three record. In a case like Laverne Women, there's going to be a difference of seven games on that. Their SOS, um, their results versus regionally ranked opponents. When that becomes prevalent, um, and there was another number, right? It was I'm forgetting now all the, but there, there, there is a, a spreadsheet basically of several data points. So we see those data points based on the x point. So if the committee is coming out on rankings on February seven, uh, it is February fifth that that data is is good through the end of Sunday night. Matt Snyder's website is based a lot in the hard numbers, the SOS numbers, for example, uh, the opponent's winning percentage, the opponent opponent's winning percentage. On what, what we understand that math to be that they are getting in front of them as well. And when we see those spreadsheets, that's where we double check that. So, you know, Matt will go to a system and go, okay, I had so and so locked in at an SOS of 0.573 and the NCA says it's 0.573. Okay. Or it's 0.572. Well, okay. Wait, the, S- the NCA says it's 0.552. Wait a minute. Why? And that's where we'll double check how they're doing that math. But the system they're using, no, that's exclusive to those committees. And they don't share it outside. There's been talk about getting us inside to see how it's done, uh, to give us a sense of what it looks like and all of that. But no, there's no outside system to look at. Um, so when we're doing it on this show, for example, we're using Matt Snyder's system. We're using um, regional rankings. We're using information that we've hashtag gleaned and other, and other ways to to break that down. So we're not no no one no one has access to that except the regional racks the racks the regional advisory committees of each region so the 10 regions in men's and women's basketball each have a rack those groups have the pr- access to that 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 information and then the national committee has access to that information and remember those racks are advising just because they said here's 1 through 10 doesn't mean the national committee agrees that's 1 through 10 National Committee can change it. That That's their purview. The RAC is advising. People get up in arms and it bugs me. Well, the Northeast or the Region 1 put it this way. That's how it should be. No, the National Committee disagrees because the National Committee is trying to make sure that how Region 1 does it is how Region 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 are doing it, that everyone's doing it in the same way, that they're measuring things in the same way. They're giving the appropriate weight, and I'm using that term very loosely. They're trying not to put weight on things, but... When, when it comes down to brass tacks, your decision in Region 3 to choose that team using that criteria is the same way that in Region 6 they use the criteria to make that choice as well. Um, so, no, we don't get access to that, but we understand how it works through many conversations over the years with committee members. We understand what that data looks like. We understand what, what, what it's presenting them. And and whatnot. And then when it comes to putting a bracket together, there's a whole other mapping system they get to look at. And no, they do not look at that system until after they've made selections. A lot of people think that sometimes the committees make selections based on, um, based on, oh, this will be easier financially if we get Team X in there because we can make it. No, believe it or not, decisions are not made that way. They make all the selections of the teams, then they take a break. And they come back and they start mapping it all out. Hope that all made sense, Travis. I'm not sure if it did. I could be wrong. Um, thank you, Aunt BJ. We love the hoops'll sign over a shoulder too. It was made in Illinois, by the way. we should We should go remind people of the history. We'll try and do it next show. The hoops will sign over my head. Um, made by a great group outside Augustana. or in 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 Rock Island, I believe. I'm ninety nine percent sure it was an Augustana fan. Out of, in the Rock Island, a special needs for lack of a better description um, company made that for us. Um, we were hoping to maybe get a couple more from them. There was a promise at one point of getting us one every season but uh, <laughs> we, we don't need one every season. There'd be a lot of woodwork around here uh, but we do love it. That's one of our favorite things. Um, awesome, Travis. I'm glad that answered it. I know I got a little tongue twisty there for a bit um, but but I'm glad that that answered the question. Um, all right, I think that's going to wrap it up. Again, Monday will be on the air, 7 o'clock Eastern time. No idea who we'll talk to yet, but uh, we'll get some good guests, as we always do. Next Thursday, reminder, 1 o'clock Eastern. Oh, you know what? No, nope, I forgot something. Hold on a second. I apologize. I totally forgot to do something that I wanted to, to bring up that deserves some attention and I was gonna do it while the guys are talking about their selections and then I just well I blanked is the easiest way to say that so if you could humor me for a moment um... I just need to look for one other thing sorry I'm a little bit behind putting this together and that's that's just that's just sad but I will get it here in a second as soon as I can find wherever the there it is Something might pop up on the screen here. I hope not. Where did it go? There it is. There it is. Great. All right. Um, we always really appreciate the uh, sports information directors who help us with our program. They are tremendous. and uh, this is uh, college commu- sports communication com- college sports communicators formerly known as COSIDA, as College Sports Information Directors of America, CSC Membership Appreciation Week this week. College Sports Communicators c- celebrates Membership Appreciation Week presented by ESPN January 18th to the 24th. Athletics, communications, and creative professionals coordinate public and media relations, websites, social media, graphic design, videography, statistics, and much more as the strategic communicators for college, university, athletic departments, and conference offices throughout North America. Um, thank you for all the athletic communications and creative staff members do in support of our student-athletes, coaches, and administrations. For more information, check out com slash celebrate CSC. There were a number of sports information directors who helped us out. That's their, you know, their old school title that helped us out today. I want to thank uh, R.J. at Guilford. I want to thank out Justin or thank out. Ugh. I want to thank Justin uh, at Trinity Texas. Sierra at Smith um, for her help, and Brett uh, at uh, at sorry at um. Wheaton, and, of course, all their staffs as well for their assistance. Uh, they have helped us out, um, whether sending us pictures or setting up some stuff or whatever the case may be. All of them did great work. We really appreciate it, and congratulations to all of them. They deserve much the attention. Um, and I know there's a lot of people out there who tune in to this show who are CSC members or... Sports information directors, athletic communicators, whoever they may be. Uh, They've been invaluable to this show. We've worked with them in my professional career. We work with them quite a bit on this show, and they certainly deserve the love and attention. They do not get enough of it, plain and simple. And uh, we hope that if you see someone out there who's doing the live stats or doing the live stream or whatever, first off, give them less of a hard time. And second of all, um, thank them for all their hard work. So thanks to CSC Group. Especially. I also want to thank the National Association of Basketball Coaches, Women's Basketball Coaches Association, and d3hoops.com for their support of our show. And, of course, thanks to uh, Blue Frame Technology and Huddle for helping us um, promote this show uh, and find a portal for it as well. Um, yes, and PJ, we have lots of fans in the Midwest, and it's wonderful. We're going to take a break because this voice is done. I have pushed it way too far. I may not be able to speak tomorrow at all, but... Say lovey. We'll be back on the air on Monday at seven o'clock. Um, oh, hold on. Scott says I'm so curious how results versus common opponents and results head to head are actually displayed on a committee to committee members. There's so many potential comparisons you want to make. You think a dynamic tool is needed, not a static report. Scott, I think it's dynamic. Sorry, we're about to go on the air, but Scott has a good point. Scott Peterson. Scott, I think that that info for them is dynamic. I. I I don't think it's a static. We see it as a static report. We see it as a spreadsheet on a PDF in the regional rankings. That isn't how the committee excuse me sees it. No, not, not at all. They definitely have a dynamic. I've been told where you can click on one thing and it reveals 10 other things. You can click on something else. It reveals a bunch more. No, there's definitely is dynamic. Maybe we can ask the committee members. I don't know if we can get screenshots we can work at something to try and show what it looks like. Um, that's actually something worth trying to tackle. Uh, I know it would take some time to get it but it is not a static report. it's not a spreadsheet. it's not just a flat looking thing. It is definitely dynamic. I've been told that there's definitely some, some aspects to it that helps dive into those that, that data um, And maybe it's not as dynamic as I'm addressing it but there, there's definitely some dynamicness to it for lack of a better description. I am just was saying that the PDF that we see has that data. But that's what we see. And with that, I think we're going to wrap it up because I am definitely pushing it. Ron, thanks for tuning in, buddy. I appreciate your your support as well. Blazer Bobcat was tuned in tonight. Appreciate that. Um, You all take care. Thanks for joining us on the show. We look forward to having you back here on Monday evening and shows ahead. Tell your friends to tune in as well, because if you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen and watch Hoopsville. Have a great night, everybody.